Well, hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome once again to the Netflix podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Canadian Netflix. Before we get going with any kind of conversation, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Netflix podcast is brought to you in part by UnLondon's 121 Studios. It's London, Ontario's premier digital media hub and co-working space. You can visit 121studios.ca for more information. As you probably already know, the movie we're going to be talking about today is Drive. I want to start you off with a couple of notes about the conversation. First of all, I want to call out a, uh, a mistake or a, a false call out or, or a some bullshit hypocrisy on my part. Uh, at one point, we discuss the actor who plays Cottonmouth in Luke Cage, and I got all high up on my horse and shitty about it and called out Jimmy Kimmel for making fun of the actor's name and then turned around and mispronounced it myself. So a sincere apology is due to Mahershala Ali, a fantastic actor that I intended to to celebrate and not make fun of, and a slightly less sincere but still there apology to Jimmy Kimmel for calling him out and then fucking up myself. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention is we did record this episode a few weeks before it was published, so uh, towards the end in terms of formatting, I know that Netflix has now changed its voting system so you now no longer vote on a star rating now it's all simply thumbs up and thumbs down that has changed i'm sure that nobody cares anywhere near as much as i do but i just wanted to point out that that is why at the end we're wrapping up with a star rating and not with a thumbs up thumbs down we'll be changing that moving forward but for now uh i guess you get to experience the final time that a movie on the Netflix podcast gets a star rating. I'm going to be back again at the end to talk about some notes, so I will see you back here once all the good stuff is over. I'm Dylan Clark-Moore, and I'm here today with my illustrious co-host, Caroline Deason. How the hell are you, Caroline? I'm so glad to be back, Dylan. It's been a long time. It's been like a month and a half. That's true. It's been less time than it was between the last times. That's true. So that's good. Yeah. Ratcheting it up, I guess. That's right. It's like the Gilmore Girls. Sure. Yeah, because did you see... What? (laughs) Like the reboot? You haven't even been introduced yet. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they're in talks for like new seasons now. Oh, are they? Yeah. After a year in the life. Exactly. Or was that what it was called? Or am I yeah. being a dick? Yeah, no, a year in the life. Yeah. And also being a dick. Yeah, both. Two things. That's right. A thing can be two things. <laughs> and joining us here as a special guest, we're welcoming back to the podcast for his second movie about guys wearing disguises while they drive around in a city, Mr. Adam Bose. Hi, thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. yeah you were here last time talking about Holy, Holy Motors. Motors. Yeah, I, I thought about that and how if I ever come back, it's I'm like I can't do something that isn't like car or drive related. Yeah. Somebody has to be wearing like a bald mask <laughs> and, and, and occupy a, a space in a moving yeah. vehicle for much of the movie. <laughs> oh my That's God. true. Yeah. That's true. Except he's coming out with a new movie, right? For the with, first time. With Adam Driver and not Rihanna. As not Rihanna. Out. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I think, I think uh, Driver is not actually attached to the project either. I think, I think he was actually just fucking with people. 
I even like he as he is want to. Yeah. <laughs> I checked more than one source before sending that to you guys. I mean, if I was a French like director, art house director, I would absolutely be telling people, "Oh yeah, Rihanna's going to be in my movie." You know, <laughs> I would absolutely be telling people. Are you that. We released it last week. Where were you? What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Number one in the box office. <laughs> Anything cool you've been watching uh, recently on Netflix, Caroline? Uh, yes, yeah. I've been watching a couple movies on Netflix. What? What are you laughing at? I don't know. It's just the way you say yes. <laughs> Well, because the reason I'm saying it like this In is... me! No, I'm doing this for... Uh, if you have been listening to our podcast uh, and you listened to the last episode that I was also on, the Pulp Fiction episode, I distinctly remember saying, uh, no, I haven't watched Netflix in months because I'm obsessed with podcasts right now. Mm. Do you remember? I, like, stopped I watching TV forever. I do. Yeah, I listen to the Come show. On. Yes, okay, good. You listen to the show. Yeah. So, uh, but I have been watching Netflix recently. I watched Inherent Vice, which is another Paul Thomas Anderson movie. and Which you're reluctantly fans, a fan of. Yeah, fans of the podcast will remember <laughs> that I have a, a special place in my butt for Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> um, and I loved Inherent Vice. Uh, I gave it uh, three and a half stars, I think, on, on Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah, it was very funny. I laughed harder at that than I have at any movie in a long time. So that was really nice. Have you seen it, Adam? Have you seen I Inherent haven't Vice? yet, no. Yeah, I think you'd like it. Yeah. Janet Newsom's in it. And I have like and... pension friends who... Right, Riley, right? Yeah, yeah our we... friend Riley from um, Riley Must... and Tom's podcast. Yes. Oh, right. Riley's yes. been on... We did The the Skin I Live In, yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, Riley, who's done a podcast here, is a he's huge a, pension he's fan. A Thomas Pension fanatic. Yes. And, uh, and now I want to read that book because I really liked it. Um. And I also just watched John Wick the other day. Mm. Um, right. I enjoyed watching your reactions on Twitter. My Twitter John fallout Wick. about John Wick? Well, my about goodness. John Wick and Atomic Blonde. Because I actually yeah. saw the comments about it first. And I was like, oh, shit. Caroline watched the Atomic Blonde trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, my reputation precedes me. <laughs> you were so mad. I about, was really mad. About like. Uh, I thought about something new to be mad about today, actually, about it. The one called th- the one about the man is called John Wick. The other one about the woman is called Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. I don't think her name is Miss Atomic Blonde. Like, are you fucking me? That's so stupid. Anyway, John I, Wick I, is such a phallic fucking name too. That's true. Yeah, I like it. Um, I love that movie. Um, and I especially love that some people have huge big film school boners over oh it. Oh my god! Because yeah. it is the most yes. pulpy, yeah. like bullshit, terribly acted, terribly also, scripted. Yeah, features movie. one of the worst fake Russian accents in, oh in recent memory. God, <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, no, I really liked it. It was extremely stylistically, uh, you know, it was a well shot movie, and um, the choreography is really great. Keanu. Keanu Reeves knows what he does well and he does it really well Mm -hmm. and if you think that that movie is anything more than pretty uh, gunfights like meet me in the pit that's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry so you're finding that a lot of like bros are taking it really seriously yeah man you should check out some of these reviews on Letterboxd have you I don't think we've ever talked about the the masturbatory pseudo film (laughs) school reviews that get published on Letterboxd I'm talking like 3,000 words about John Wick Using words like, John Wick doesn't walk, he floats ruggedly through each <laughs> scene. And, okay, my favorite part about that is that he, like, they couldn't even homo it up enough no. to not put ruggedly when it comes to floats, no. right? Yeah, oh yeah. Like, he's not floating, he's floating ruggedly. Yeah, don't worry, he's still a dude yeah. and very hetero. How yeah. do you float ruggedly? Oh. With, I, a, with a five o'clock shadow. That's right, yeah. Right. Um, and, and guns. Brooding phallic imagery, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll get to today, I think. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
anyway okay so yeah those are the the two movies that i watched recently on netflix and i enjoyed them both nice uh anything for you adam any anything note no i've actually been playing a, an incredible amount of video games and uh calling it research lately so <laughs> um that's that's what I've, I've been doing i haven't i haven't been watching uh much my partner has been hate watching i zombie which looks very bad so that's that's my only. But that's like the the like zombie. That's the MTV zombie procedural where she like yes. eats brains and Correct. then finds out what happened in the crime. Yep. And sh- I guess being a zombie just means looking like an extremely pale goth now. I don't know. I don't, I'm like kind of curious about it. Like I've heard it's fun, but I also heard Riverdale was fun, and that was kind of dog shit. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, my opinions on both of those shows are very similar. I would say, and, and like, and both both of them are based off of like seeing them in the distance and barely right. hearing it or seeing it. Like just coming in enough to be like, my god. So really, anyway. really well informed opinions. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Is Lee yes. hate watching both of them? What's that? Is Lee hate watching both of them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So as for myself. Um, Watched a little bit of the latest season of the Mindy Project, mm. oh. uh, which you know there are worse ways to spend your time. Yeah, it's not, I, it's I not stopped... rocking my world like it used to, but um, I can't remember when. Like I, I watched all of the seasons on Netflix, and I don't know if I've missed them. Add some new ones. the The last thing that I saw was um, she was moving to India. Danny went to India to oh, right. ask for right. Ask yes, for, that's it. Yeah, or you you think it's to ask for her hand? Yeah. So yeah. they put it, the new season on the one that was the Hulu exclusive after it got. Kiboshed from wherever, yeah, wherever it was before. Um, so back. yeah, the new season is uh, once she's had the baby and everything. Interesting. Maybe um, I should go back and and revisit the show and then write about it because I remember I was going to write about it and then I found someone else say everything that I wanted to say about what it. What did you want to say about it? About have you have you watched the mini project? I haven't, but I do like Mindy Kaling a little bit. Yeah, and like, and that's what I went in really wanting this to happen and to be good. And I watched the whole thing. Like I didn't, and I don't. I wouldn't even say it was a hate watch. Like there were lots of things that I liked about it. Um, but it, it's just there was so many, so many times where she cut off her nose to spite her face when it comes to like the feminism part right. of it. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just, and I understand that it's funny and bitchy in a lot of ways, but like, there's only so many jokes I can hear about Mindy Kelling, who is like maybe a size eight, talking about how fat she is. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, and how, and and every episode, she has a really, really cute, I would say, A-list TV guy interested in her, mm-hmm. but. Of course, her self-esteem is terrible, and she's really fat. You know what I mean? Like, it just it's it kind of gets tired after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, more power to her. She's writing the show. That's a big thing for the like rich ass feminist comedian. Yeah. Shows sitcoms of the last few years, right? Like Tina Fey ran the same gimmick. Exactly. Oh, nobody likes me. I'm I'm super attractive, and everybody thinks I'm hot. Here I am in a fucking shampoo commercial, though. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes I eat sandwiches. Isn't that funny? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I nourish my body with food. I'm such a dork. The other things I've been watching is uh, the IT crowd, uh, which I kind of always avoided in the past, not intentionally. You really seem like someone who would like the IT crowd. Yeah, and I've I've enjoyed it. Like we've, Good. we've Richard Ayoade's on that, right? Yeah, he yeah, he's so the best part. Funny. Yeah, we we burned through it. We watched it. We liked it. I talked Irish a lot after <laughs> watching it because that's just what I do. Now I, you can now you it. can watch uh, Calvary with Chris O'Dowd and and have your life and just, be just horrible devastated. for. <laughs> 
couple of weeks. Hmm. You should watch Calvary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. With some warnings about what you're going into, because it With is not like the IT crowd. T T W warnings. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and some of them occurring within the first eight seconds of yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Impressive. Mm-hmm. I like it when they get out of the way, though. No, no, but it keeps going. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. It's not done. <laughs> you 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 well, will. At least you know what you're getting into right away. Then. Yeah. You won't that? fill up on dessert. No, don't worry. No. Uh, and the other thing is, I'm finally watching Luke Cage. I had I had been already with my day job to like write about Luke Cage, so I burned through uh, seasons one and two of Daredevil and Jessica Jones in the span of like a month to catch up to it, and I just got burned out and didn't watch Luke Cage until now. But I'm loving it. And is this uh, your favorite of the three? Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite of the three, but there are definitely some things to love about it. I my favorite thing from the Netflix Marvel universe is like the first five episodes of the second season of Daredevil when you're like first getting into Punisher. Because that's just like astounding, and it's raising like a whole lot of actual uh, conversations about vigilante justice and whether or not it's okay to step outside of the bounds of the law in order to, you know, create actual results and actually protect people. Plus, it's Shane from Walking Dead, right? Yeah, I, I have no attachment to Walking Dead at all. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but in, in, ah. in the new show, uh, or in Luke Cage, I shouldn't say the new show because Iron Fist is out and everybody's all pissy about it. Yeah. Um, it looks but, like crap. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Cage has a lot to love about it, specifically Copperhead with, um, I don't want to fuck up his name, but Mashahala Ali. Is that how you how you say it? Sweet. Fuck you, so. Jimmy Kimmel. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's just, he's a darling in it. And I absolutely love that character. So nice. that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, that's what, that's what I've been watching. Now, as for the movie that we're here to talk about... Uh, for this episode, I can't really say this week because <laughs> fuck regular schedules. I have a life. <laughs> That's uh, right. The movie that we're here to talk about this week is from the year 2011 from director Nicholas Vending Refn. We are going to be talking about Drive. I looked up how to say it phonetically on Wikipedia. Uh, it's actually Wingding. <laughs> yeah, when you sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I had like flashbacks to MS Paint of like switching yeah. things to Wingding yeah. to send people secret messages. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, uh, Caroline, for your favorite part of the whole fucking podcast. Oh no, your favorite part of the whole podcast. Oh no, it's actually not. Okay, so this is this one's not bad. Okay, this is not bad. This okay. is where we we look at how Netflix describes the movies. Oh, okay. Um, right. I think actually it was. Um, Holy Motors was not bad. Was was Holy Motors one of the ones where they didn't have two because they were just because like, they were oh, like what no. the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I the second one know. was just what the fuck. <laughs> it's just it's just accurate. five question marks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ellipses. <laughs> so the way that Drive is described according to Netflix, first when you hover over it, it says when a heist for a neighbor goes brutally wrong, a mysterious getaway driver reveals an unknowable fury. Hmm. Uh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not objectively untrue, but it's not a really good summary of what goes on. Fair enough. Okay. When you click on the movie, the description changes to a Hollywood stuntman and getaway driver is lured from his isolated life by a lovely neighbor until her violent husband is released from prison. See, now that make that's exactly what happens. Well, that's a. I mean, if I want to be a a a friggin' wiener about it, that's why you're here. Oh, that's right. I forgot that my card says uh, professional wiener. Um, <laughs> Lord uh, is a that's that's a why word, I spray right? painted it. That's, that's why until, I spray no, painted it. I was thinking until. 
Okay, sorry. Can you say yeah, it again? Re, where does, where does until come this again for me? Okay, I might have copied one. it wrong too. It was, okay, no, no. Uh, but no, it says did. a Hollywood stuntman and getaway driver is lured from his isolated life by a lovely neighbor until her violent husband is released from prison. See, okay, well, violent, yeah, that's messed up because I think that's a complete opposite reading of what that character of of whose standard is meant mm. to represent. Mm-hmm. Well, at the very least, he's not depicted as being violent. Yes. I like, would say that's very true. Like, yeah, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's the opposite because he hasn't done anything to say that he's like inherently passive. Well, all we get from him is regret for a crime, which we don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then at most lightly posturing against a guy he knows who's been macking on his wife while he's been in jail. Right. Right. And then being like, anyway, do you yeah, think? No, well, I, yeah, we don't. I, we, and we also don't want to get too far into things before we. Of course. Yes. So yeah, I, anyway, but... I have issues with it, but I have issues with anything that re- has words in it. So. Right. <laughs> Good. Welcome to the podcast. Well, I think I think that this is one case where if you were to see both, then you get a pretty good idea of what the movie is about. Yeah. Because yeah. like the one focuses more on the driver, the other one focuses more on like the plot, and then you kind of if you if you blend the two together, it's not an unreasonable yeah description of the movie. That's one of the least objectionable ones that I've seen. Yeah, okay. the combination of heist movie and weird kind of sort of romance yeah that works and I, I get where they're going for when they say unknowable fury but it's also like sure. he's not the incredible hulk like let's <laughs> let's chill although i mean he does he's he's not afraid to escalate a situation also also i wouldn't say that that's unleashed like it happens earlier in the movie too yep, but absolutely. we'll get to that yep so all right the genres that this belongs to according to netflix are action and adventure action thrillers crime action and adventure and independent movies and it only has one mood, and that is gritty. Interesting. That's, that's I was thinking about mood? yeah. I was thinking about this the other day because John Wick is also gritty, and mm. I I was trying to understand what gritty means. If I had to guess, I mean, what really connects those two movies is is uh, its aestheticization of violence. Yes, is similar. Yeah, um, and even its basic, cool toned aesthetics in general yeah um which focus like the you know reference sort of neon noir style is very much an attempt to glam up dirtiness mm-hmm. oh i love the phrase neon noir i've never heard that before that's yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a ref and original as far as i know that is delicious yeah which it's good los angeles is just the perfect place that's the only place you could that. do it right yeah. well no actually his, miami well i mean his follow-up his follow-up to this film uh which we can talk about later maybe uh, is only god forgives mm-hmm. and that takes place in thailand in bangkok which is another great place for a neon noir which it is you could definitely call only god forgives a neon noir but even the, very different the uh the like poster like the cover of that movie is only god forgives is written in neon is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So, Caroline, the the question, as always, you're the one who picked this movie. Yeah. Um, Actually, the... you know what happened is it well, came back on Netflix and you were like, Caroline, 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 <laughs> drives right. on Netflix. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the podcast. I was just like, I know you love this movie. <gasps> oh, and so you actually you. recently like went to the theater to watch it on a big screen, right? Oh, yeah. That totally happened. I didn't get super tired and go home because it, I was on campus for 14 hours and nobody wanted to come with me. Adam. <laughs> oh, yeah. Western. <laughs> and everyone else right. flaked on me. And I was like, I can go. I can wait around two more hours. I don't remember what I was doing. So I can't, even, I can't even give you a good reason for why I didn't go. I was at, on campus from 8.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I would have to wait two more hours to see a movie alone. So uh, being a big fan of Drive, I, yeah. you know, I, I needed to point it out to you. And like immediately you were like, podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to podcast mm-hmm. about this. I won't have much to say. 
but we need to podcast about this. Yeah. And so, I think that's wrong. I think I do have uh, quite a bit to say. So I, sorry, what were you going to ask? Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, so like, uh, like, what made you want to do Drive? Okay. So I watched Drive. It wasn't on Netflix when I watched it. My boyfriend lent me the DVD. And I was watching it, and it was like 20 minutes in, and I paused it, and I was texting him at the time. And I was like, okay. So I know it's only 20 minutes in, but if these trends continue, this is my new favorite movie. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah. No, I, like I knew very, very early that I fucking love this movie. And it just got better after that. I was crazy about it. Um, and then I remember watching it. It was one of the few movies that in recent years I've watched kind of over and over again for about like a month solid I just kind of had it on in the background or just needed to see specific parts again but I haven't seen it in quite a few months so when I watched it for the podcast yesterday it was really cool because it was like almost like watching it again for the first time because the movie's plot is kind of so well you were just giving kind of like a synopsis of the plot but those none of that is what draws me to the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like the plot is almost interstitial to everything else that I love about this movie. So watching it a hundred times doesn't make a difference. Like Drive was a thing, right? As I was kind of like entering into, you know, movie consciousness and trying to take myself seriously See, as I a guy who that. talks about I, movies I, and everything. Like, other than the fact that it had Ryan Gosling in it, I had, like, not heard of it. Oh, okay, because it, it had been sitting on my list, like, on my Netflix list for a while, and I remember the first time I watched it that I was just like, I have to like this movie. <laughs> like, I was so distanced from whether or not I actually did enjoy it because I just, like, I felt this immense peer pressure to like it because I knew that I had to. So it was cool to come back to it and to watch it again to be like, oh, I do actually oh, really awesome. like this movie. <laughs> because I think it's something I've become so, so aware of, just I think over the last few, I mean, talking about Pulp Fiction, talking about like these cool movies, it's just like how susceptible I am to peer pressure and just like, well, other people gave this like really high rating. So like, what am I missing? Like, and you know, like feeling like there's something wrong with me if I don't get it. Mm. But it was cool to, like I said, kind of come back a little bit more mature and, and realize that, okay, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. What's your is it was this have you seen it a lot, Adam? Uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. I'm actually um I think the first Refn movie I saw was Valhalla Rising with Mads Mikkelsen, who's my boyfriend, and if anyone asks, um he's definitely my boyfriend. So <laughs> Um, but despite uh, what he might tell you, yeah, yeah. despite what he and <laughs> but, his but wife he's kooky, say, so. yeah, he's kooky. Exactly, that's the kind of oh answer that Mads, yeah, oh Mads. It's all a Mads joke we have. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I really love, I really love, uh, I really loved Valhalla Rising, and so I, I dug into, um, I dug into Refn's sort of filmography a little bit. Yeah, and like the, it was kind of around, it was shortly after Drive had come out, um, and and my brother was raving about it. I think, uh, and he said it's it's the guy who did Valhalla Rising because at the time I was like. Ryan Gosling, like, come on, that's you gotta be fucking kidding well, and me. Well, also, I think it was marketed as kind of like a like a heist movie. I don't remember ever no, seeing it. Was, yeah, so I mean, part of the problem with it, and a woman actually sued about this, was because this was originally like the trailer was presented as if this was like a Fast and Furious movie, right? Right. And somebody actually mm. like went to it expecting that and was like, "The fuck did you just show me?" <laughs> and like, sued. This is, oh my and god. And sued about it, and mm. I assume she didn't win. We can I can look into it further, but. Yeah, just God bless overly litigious people, right? Well, I mean, it, that's the kind of thing that happens, right? Sometimes when, like, when you know, marketers like their job is to get your butt in the seat, right? And the same trick that one, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the that's same, not a suable offense. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the same thing happened with the yeah. same thing happened with Fight Club, right? Like, it, um, like uh, trailers and, and promotion for Fight Club 
were put on like UFC broadcasts, for instance, being like, check out these dudes fighting shirtless. And right. Like, and then obviously that's, like that's 10% not what of the movie. <laughs> right. Right. So then people were like, what you, why do I feel bad about myself all of a sudden? What are you doing here? <laughs> you made me think. <laughs> right. How dare you? So I didn't I, think too long. No. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting that it, you know, is presented in this way, especially because probably, I mean, to to get enough action footage to show off this movie, to make it look like a Fast and the Furious, right. you have to give away like 75% of that. Also, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of it definitely mm-hmm. not safe for trailers that when it comes to the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> you, you actually have a very small pool of how much you can draw on. Mm-hmm. Cool. So might as well start with the uh, the top build character, the one with no name, the uh, the driver. Or I guess driver, not the. Yeah. No articles allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really? Driver as. Why no articles? Just on IMDb, he's listed as driver. In the credits what? of the movie, he's he's credited as driver. Oh, okay. true. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh, why IMDb has it, I guess. As played by Ryan Reynolds. Um, no. No. No, not Ryan not Reynolds. At all. What the wow. fuck did I no. just do? Sorry. Podcast as... over. <laughs> <laughs> My Canadian citizenship has been. Yeah, revoked. Yeah. Revoked. revoked. There are two Canadian Sorry. Ryans, and you need to keep them straight at all times. Or I need to keep them not straight at all times. And, uh, they, hey, in my mind, they are never straight. <laughs> <laughs> as a driver, as played by Ryan Gosling. Um, Who's from London, Ontario. Is he Is he from London or is he from like the he, outskirts and people just say London? No, he lived in easier. a bunch of places and London is one of them. Yeah. And no, that's yeah. like... For Rachel anybody Mc- listening, we're recording this in London. That's why we're freaking out about yeah. this right now. No, because he lived like down the street from my friends, my, my friend when they were growing up and his friend, sorry... His older brother was friends with Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. Right they on. lived in Oak Ridge. Right on. Which hmm. is down the road. So with the with the character of Driver, I mean, there's, uh, I think in, very intentionally, he's kind of a, a throwback to, to kind of classic masculine silent characters like the man with no name from the, you know, from the, the, the classic, classic Westerns and whatnot. And um yeah, I guess I'm curious. Like, how do how do we feel about um, a whole movie based around this guy and how how Ryan Gosling did in fulfilling this role? So I read that Ryan Gosling was instrumental with actually paring down the role, the role speaking part, and that the original script had him talking a lot more, and that he was the one who said this guy doesn't talk. This is you know the, this guy's the strong silent type, and he would not never say any of these things. Um, and so he actually slashed the script. It's very typical of Refn's procedure, actually, to to start with a with a screenplay, which is a lot longer than it ends up being, and it's always with close, uh, working very closely with the actors, like the the people who the main cast of Drive literally lived with Refn when they were I filming heard about this that, thing. Yeah. Well, at least at least Karen Mulligan did. I'm not sure if the rest of them did. I I think Ryan well, yeah, did too because yeah. the I, screenwriter did. Hosina, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Hosina Mini, I think. Because they they drove around. Um, they drove around the hills a lot to actually get used to Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, and to find locations. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like uh, to to bring up the other Refn movie that I that I mentioned, Valhalla Rising. The main character in that is literally mute. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I and this will become more obvious, I think, as the podcast progresses. But I'm I do not have the highest um, respect for Refn coming out of this movie, and. I know that that might sound counterintuitive considering it's literally one of my favorite movies on Letterboxd. <laughs> I love this movie and I love how it looks. Like, I'm not just talking about how I like the script and that I like the acting. I love how it looks, so I obviously like the directing. But there are a lot of things that I've heard about that he fucked up on um, that we'll get to, I'm sure. But when it comes to that story about Ryan being like, no, 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 I think the character would be much better this way. In my mind, that was just more of 
kind of like ammo against Refn not being the the best right film. Dude. I would say it's actually very indicative of Refn and his and his work. So like he goes in knowing that we are going to pare this down yeah, type of thing. Definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you you think that speaks to him not against him? I would say so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Now what about the racism? <laughs> Got nothing on that. Okay. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, did you not Okay. Okay, sorry, no, go ahead. So Carrie Mulligan's character, so this was a book, right? It was based on a book yes. that I have not read, but I would like to, though um, I'm not entirely sure. It's very different is my understanding. I haven't read it either. But Okay, and I, I don't entirely know how you can write a car chase scene for it to be very exciting. I've never really read a car chase scene. You know, the, the closest I can get to is that scene in Great Gatsby, spoiler, but... Like, <laughs> um, I think it's safe to spoil Great Gatsby <laughs> at this point. All right, it's good. Um... So, yeah, so Carrie Mulligan's character in the book is a Latina woman. Right. And when they were and it, it, when they were making the film, the script called for a Latina woman as well. And when they were auditioning, Carrie Mulligan, for some reason, had an audition. She was the very first person that came in. And Refn immediately was like, oh, no, we have to take her because she's so... And he used some sort of word that was, like, pure and innocent or something. And... People are interpreting this not only as like a whitewashing of a character, which has huge implications for the entire story, but also the implication that a Latina woman comes across as less pure and innocent than a white woman does. Right. Which is a huge problem mm. that Latina women face, all, that, that, that brown women, brown and black women face, non-white women face uh, all the time. Um, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, ah, beans. Like that <laughs> That really <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> makes me a lot sadder about this movie. Um, because I think, I mean, Adam and I watched a movie, another Ryan Gosling movie with Eva Mendez, where she's the, uh, the romantic lead. And it just like a, a character like Eva Mendez would have been actress like Eva Mendez gendered, uh, would have been, would have been a good idea, I think, except for my kind of big crux of why I found this movie so amazing. So I don't know if this is the proper time to segue into that, but maybe I'll just like quickly hang my hat on it and then we can come back to it. My favorite thing about this movie is that the lead male character is a knockout. Like, objectively, one of the most gorgeous people working in Hollywood. He's a guy billed as a hunk. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's billed as a hunk. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking like Brad Pitt in his Halcyon days, you know, similar build as a hunk. Young Ryan Gosling wasn't getting roles because of his acting chops back in the day. He was getting it because he was a pretty face. Exactly. Are you trying to tell me that his... Yeah, Roll uh, Breaker on High, Breaker High uh, was not deserved. <laughs> Breaker High is I'm some completely of out of my best. element now. So yeah. <laughs> you don't even don't, don't even step to the Breaker High. Step part two of the podcast where we talk about Breaker High in the Notebook, and Adam just sits in a corner. Can this just be a Breaker High podcast now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. It was um, nice talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to dance. <laughs> we have to indoctrinate you. Na 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 na. Hey hey. hey. Carry, carry me, me away. away. Life is a way that comforts me and carries me across <laughs> the sea. The hope. And hope is a thing that we can all. Are you aware of the premise of Breaker High? I <laughs> know. Uh, it was like kids going to. It was a. It was Canadian, right? It was a Canadian it show, this... but they were supposed to be like they Canadian, were like American. Breaker High sitcom. This Canadian, like a uh, Saved, Saved by, by the Bell-ish the Bell. sitcom, except well, they, 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 the Bell. they, the Bell. they went to school on a cruise ship, 
which I I don't know. Did we ever see them like go to port anywhere? Yeah, they, and, yeah, they did. So okay. they went to port, but it was like very obviously always a soundstage. Like it was like the most like like uh, claustrophobic. Right. So they would stop in different places. Why were places. they on the boat in the first place? So because it was they were learning like it was a multicultural high school, so that they would go around the world learning about new cultures, and then they would go and like actually experience that culture. Okay. And it was actually like like except I feel like their culture always involved like getting a lay around their waist and wearing like. Like skirts yeah. Oh with yeah. Flowers on there was always stuff. like 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 whoever whatever culture they were at there was an interested romantic party from you know the group of seven of guys course. and girls right naturally you know and then one yes. of them had a fling on you know right because it's yeah. high school the only reason to travel exactly right um, having no. sex with exotic people that's oh yeah. yes okay uh, one time Speaking they go one time they go to Canada though they go to Halifax nice and they, yes this is why you should watch it okay they go to ca- Canada and mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling. Uh, plays Gets pissed on by a drunk guy in downtown Halifax. No, he plays hockey against, like they they have like a hockey team. The Breaker High Mooseheads. Oh, okay. No, the Breaker Breaker High has a hockey team, okay. and they play against a hockey Wait, team in Halifax. The boat school has a yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah. Like, bo- dude, this is this school is awesome. <laughs> they have a huge like basketball court and like everything. Is it like are the, all these kids supposed to be like crazy rich? Is oh, yeah. some like oh, ridiculous. Sure. Oh no no, okay. they are super well, rich. Well yeah, okay, but okay. Espe- especially Ashley. Ashley oh Dupree. yeah, Ashley is Ashley is Ashley the actual, Dupree. Like, Ashley Dupree yeah, is like, like the, the richest. She's character. the Southern Belle. <laughs> yes. She speaks with a Southern accent, like she's from Georgia. Uh, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about just now, but I was going to go back. to Oh, the, we were talking about hunky Ryan Gosling. You know, Ryan Gosling. We're we're saying is a ten. He's the he's billed as the hunk and everything like that. And Carrie Mulligan. I'm not saying that she's not pretty because she is. She's obviously an attractive person and she's very cute, but she is not what I would say is the type of Hollywood babe that you get in a lot of these movies. Especially not for a movie that is explicitly calling back to the 80s exactly. kind of action film. Exactly. Yeah. And especially not a movie that like was kind of marketed as being a Fast and the Furious type of movie, right? We're talking about a, a character that, or sorry, an actress um, playing a character that demands to look like the girl next door, right? Like, and, and she still looks like the Hollywood girl next door, obviously. If you really put just regular average people on screen... No one would go to movies, right? Like they still have to be attractive. She's not ugly, ugly. No, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, kid presentable. Um, <laughs> you know, Simpsons. Yeah, no, okay, no, no, we're okay, referencing okay, the same good, thing. Good. I just wasn't sure if you. I mean, called lots of things. Yeah. Ugly, bug, ugly. <laughs> Never ugly, ugly. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, uh, the idea that this is a movie that has just like this knockout lead dude who is not, first of all, um, is not opposite a knockout lead woman is not opposite a woman who is like super sexualized their relationship isn't sexualized there's only that one kiss in the entire thing which is probably not real whoa what okay did i just just blow your mind stick a pin pin in that (laughs) and and also fuck you because fuck you no that okay okay Mm. we'll come back to that yeah we'll come back to that little bitch uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I am really angry now. <laughs> Maybe we should go a- immediately to that. Anyway, what I was going to say is that, uh, yeah, no, I, I just, that was one of the things that stood out to me about this movie immediately is that it's a, especially if we're going to call it a fairy tale, which I think is the perfect descriptor for this movie, it's a fairy tale. Mm. But it's a fairy tale that operates in almost the opposite of what you would expect. It's got, you know, this gorgeous lead dude who is exactly what you were saying. Um, he's a, the strong, sensitive type. But he's still really complicated in a way that these heroes, at least in the ones that you invoked, Westerns, are usually kind of cut and dried moral, you know, the moral compass pointing to good when it comes to this is the hero. For the driver, it's not the same. You don't think so? 
I would say that he's he's pretty clearly like he's a man with a code. He just doesn't like like to talk about it, and like he's willing to get his hands dirty to get the job done. But like as soon yeah, as what, why is he getting the why why what is the job that needs to be done? Well, why, he's, he's protecting. Yeah, yeah, but he's no, protecting he's, Irene. But he's also a criminal. <laughs> like he oh, make, he makes his true. living as a getaway driver. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not feeding he's not feeding a tiny baby at that point or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's fair. No, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, yeah. you hadn't thought about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, I, apparently the movie exists in the driver's head, according to Adam. So maybe I didn't think about the well, I movie guess, either. I guess I was coming at it from a place of, uh, you know, he he does he does the best job that he can to focus entirely on what he does and to not get muddied up with the circumstances of why he's doing it. He's like, I will drive you from point A to point B. What you do with that time is up to you. So he's true dis- neutral. I could not disagree with all of this anymore okay <laughs> what i was saying too i need to well no no i think i well in the sense that i disagree with it in the sense that i think you're both right in that um the driver is so yeah we know he's got a shady past we know that criminality is something he does not shy from it's he's a scorpion right so he's got the stinger and he stings um he lives in la and his other job is as a stunt driver, right? He lives in proximity. He lives a life in proximity to Hollywood. And this is constantly gestured to throughout the movie, even right down to Bernie Rose mentioning that he used to be uh, an action movie producer. In the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. right? Um, and and Bernie Rose is actually the character that uh, the driver is kind of connected to, I would say, more than almost any other, in a sense. And you get that from the scene where they meet uh, after he drives around the track. Um, and uh, Bernie Rose extends his hand for a handshake. And the driver doesn't... I'm going to say the driver just because I like articles. Yeah, of course. We're uh, just going to say driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the driver... Um, you know, he's got his his right hand clear. He's already taken the glove off, but he hesitates for a long time, as he always friggin' does, uh, and says, <laughs> my hands are dirty. And Bernie Rose responds, so are mine, right? Uh, so an obvious reference to the fact that these two characters are are baddies, right? <laughs> like, these are, these are men willing to kill, essentially, is what it comes down to. Um, and there was an interview that I read with Gosling where he said that his understanding of the driver is a character who tries to essentially live himself as an amalgamation of all these action heroes these ho- this hollywood myth of the strong silent type so the man with no name that's there right but i also think what's because again the what his passion is is cars right muscle cars and specifically he drives a a 63 chevelle a chevrolet people people will call it a malibu they're wrong. The Malibu is the kind of Chevelle that it was. Okay, so just um, which is another really interesting gesture, I think, because the Chevelle is a car that came out in '63, so just after the muscle car period was dead, basically, or died essentially because there was an oil crisis, a bunch of other stuff. So even the car he drives is a gesture to a kind of nostalgia, right? Where it's like I'm the muscle car driving more of a James Dean type figure, I would say, right? Like kind of rebel without a cause type thing, which also brings into what I think you're both kind of talking about with the fact that he is a a character with depth, right? He's a character with complexity and stuff. And even in the simplicity that you're saying, Dylan, I think that he has these principles, right? 
um, he's still nevertheless kind of harried, right? As the as the movie enters into its like second and third acts, he's looking like hell. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he's constantly drenched in sweat. His beautiful hair is getting all a little bit His dis- white satin jacket d- is all exa- stained. Exactly, yeah. So I think uh, I think those those gestures to specifically that kind of rebel without a cause uh, uh, figure, which was With, he's got a toothpick in his mouth at all times exactly like. yeah exactly and and rebel without a cause was such a uh, an interesting cinematic moment for america because this was when america was dealing with that sort of anxiety about the masculine hero right john wayne the strong silent type cooper right they step aside for james dean a character who uh, in in Rebel Without a Cause? Who is a as a character who cries, who weeps, who mm-hmm. is his entire thing is that the fact that he's not living up to or doesn't want to live up to the masculine ideals of his his previous generation. I'll add as a caveat that I actually think Rebel Without a Cause is kind of a lame ass fucking movie. But <laughs> besides the point, I think he's all of these things. I think the character in true fairy tale style is not a real person he's an archetype exactly he's an archetype who is as as a as a realized character in a world that is depicted to us as realistic um i think he he is absolutely grasping at straws he's trying to be the strong silent type Mm -hmm. he's trying to be these kinds of masculine archetypes and lives through that kind of stuff actually one of my favorite parts about the movie is the very deliberate scenes the sorry shots the very deliberate shots that question the this masculine or this this idea of masculinity for instance um when he's walking down the hallway holding benicio uh in his arms yes. and he's like you know these like gigantic broad shoulders with this tiny little child and right. and and carrie mulligan's character what's her name irene irene, irene thank you yeah. irene is looking at him and like you know exactly what she's thinking right like this right. is a very fatherly thing that he's doing that is he's the deluxe edition right he is the deluxe edition yeah, yeah. exactly um uh, and then the uh, time later where she slaps him and he has his face turned for most of the time and then the elevator opens and he turns his face and he's got a tear running down his cheek. Yeah, right? just prior to the, yeah, exactly. That that very scene when he says, uh, you know, well, may- maybe, you could, maybe I could go with you. I yeah. don't know. And he looks to the side talking like a little boy at the yeah. side of his yeah. mouth. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, then I see this, I see this whole thing more as like a, a disruption of a cycle for him. Because we know that he moved to L.A. about, what was it, five or six years ago? Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's, that's what Shannon, Shannon says. says. Yep. So I kind of got the impression that, like, this guy, and this is to to also tie it in with the, like, the, the myth of, the, or the uh, the fable, I guess, of the, the scorpion and the frog, mm-hmm. which, uh, is it is it the driver who brings up when he's talking yes, he to, it is. to Bernie? Yeah. He says yes. it to Bernie. So uh, just in of course case he does. Which is, like, the longest bit of dialogue that the driver has. Right. So just uh, in case anybody isn't isn't familiar with the fable, the whole idea is that uh, this this frog offers to escort a scorpion across a river. And he's like, oh, the frog's like, well, I, I, or sorry, the, the scorpion asks the frog for help to cross right. the river. The frog's like, I know, like, you're a scorpion. Why would, why would I do that? Um and so, you know, they go back and forth and <laughs> the scorpion convinces him right, the, by saying, if I sting you, we're both going to drown. Right. So we're why both, would I do that? Yeah, we're both totally screwed. So then, um, so which is eventually what ends up happening. The scorpion stings the frog. And, and they the, both drown. The scorpion says, oh, sorry, like it's in my nature. This is what I'm a scorpion. It's what I do. Right. So uh, y- with the idea that That's um, how scorpions talk. Um, I think that in that case, the uh, at least how I I saw it presented recently was that uh, Ryan Gosling 
sorry, the driver is not the scorpion. He's the frog in that he just kind of is doing his thing. And then he keeps having these scorpions end up on his back, literally, and stinging him. So he keeps getting brought into this bad world, even though all he's doing is really just focusing on being a good driver and a good mechanic. Um, sorry, I, w- I, w- I want to come back. To um, <laughs> You're allowed to rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm furiously shaking my head. Let the record show. Right. So th- the point that I'm trying to make is that we come into the knowledge that he came to the city in the first place. Presumably this isn't where he learned his trade. He already knew it, right? Mm-hmm, he, he, he's Shane, able to walk into a garage and yeah. be like, give me a job because look, bam, I'm a, I'm a magician when it comes to cars. Yeah. Um, but then he, because it pre- pre- presents him with an opportunity to drive, he ends up involved with crime regardless of where he ends up. And then something inevitably goes bad and he has to skip town and move to somewhere else. So I see this story that we're seeing is the one time that it actually meant something to him. And this is where he's like feeling his most human emotions, where he's actually feeling vulnerable and he's not just going through this cycle of competence and rage. This mm-hmm. is where he's feeling something genuine. Well, I don't like I kind of took it that because um, he's just moved into this building. He doesn't know which floor Irene lives on, even even right. though they're next door neighbors. And then later they have that conversation where she says, are you new to L.A.? And he says, no, just new to this building. Or she, he says, no. And she says, just new to this building. He says, yes, because he can't. He don't talk. No, he can't have more than two syllables. Um, uh, so I actually, I actually interpreted it a little differently where he has probably had a very similar thing happen to him in the past where he has gotten involved romantically with someone. And like in my mind, this has happened to him 15 times. And he's moved not just through different parts of LA in the past six years, but he's moved from Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like he he left Vegas to come to LA to do this. And I think that he has kind of been repeating this cycle where he comes so close to having this domestic life that he's obviously interested in having, which is an interesting thing for this movie to be doing. Um, and then his nature screws it up and right. he ends up stinging the frog. In this case, Irene's the frog. And so he stings her and they both go down. Right. Their relationship's over. Yeah. So I guess it's not dissimilar because we're both seeing a cycle. I'm just seeing this current iteration of the cycle as being more remarkable that this is like the one that he's going to remember and that everything else has been about, like I said, kind of crime and competence and rage. But I don't then... know, but like, but nothing... What what are you basing that on, though? Like, just because he doesn't... Cause I, 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 I mean, the the one line of dialogue that, you know, he... We don't know him to lie. Like, he's very careful with what he says. Yeah. So then when he... And this he oh, he, says, segue, he says you're the best thing that yeah, ever happened Yeah, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. right? Um, and I, I believe him. Yeah, I believe and him, And I too. mean, for him to, to put that much stock into the kiss, whether it's imagined or not, and maybe this is a good time to lead into what you said, um, you know, like... He, at the very least, you know, with the dimming of the lights and everything, he creates this moment for himself where he's like, this is what it's all worth it. Yeah. For. No, and I believe that too. I believe I believe that this is the best thing, but I don't believe that this is the very first time he's ever been in love or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't sure. I don't think. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because a fairy tale would have you believe that. You know what I mean? A fairy sure. tale is based on the idea that you have never met, you know, this is the one person that changes your life and you end up happily ever after. Right. And then this movie turns it around. Where you get where do you get the, the, the sense of, of cycles then? Why do I get the sense of yeah. cycles? Basically, just because we have so little information to go on that I'm imagining that it could be as open-ended as possible. Mm. And that one of the things that I find really interesting is that when he, during the credit, the opening credits, he comes into his apartment. It's like black and barren. He 
puts down his thing and then he leaves. He has absolutely nothing tying him to any sort of home. And I have no idea how many times he's even moved around. And I wish I love movies that are set in L.A. because I've spent a little bit of time in L.A. and I love to like try and figure out where they are and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's close enough to Reseda Boulevard where he works in order for him to tell Carrie and Irene and she knows immediately okay it's the one on Reseda I know that and LA is big enough that you must be quite close to that to understand (laughs) like there's there has to be tens of thousands of garages in LA if Grand Theft Auto has taught me anything (laughs) 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 um yeah so the the idea that he's he's moving around the city for the past six years and that before that he's had other things and the reason the reason that there's obviously this idea of history it comes up in the diner, right? When that guy comes over to him, and he's like, "Hey, you, you're Shane's oh, yeah. friend." No, I totally get the idea of cycles for his life of crime. Right? That he yeah. keeps that he'll he'll always fall back to that. But, okay. But so, do you do you think that as as well with like his romantic infatuations? Well, I think maybe maybe my idea for his romantic infatuations is that have you seen this guy? Like like this is what, one of <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite things. The most ridiculous thing about this movie to me, the most the thing that makes it so like I cannot suspend my disbelief anymore, is that this guy works on. Hollywood movie sets every day wearing a mask and nobody has run up to him being like hey do you have representation uh sorry uh because <laughs> right. he needs to be in movies where he's not wearing a mask even if he's just in the background or like right. you know playing the pool boy on something right like he's <laughs> like the the and this and that and that goes back to the idea that I think it's deliberate that he is that they they cast someone who is so gorgeous uh, against someone who is relatively plain mm-hmm. I think it's all a deliberate thing mm-hmm. thing and so Another thing, too, is that it's not as if he's, like, cold-hearted or anything. The first interaction they have really is more kind of his involvement with Benicio than than even... Like, he's, you know, interested in Irene as a person. But it's kind of, like, Benicio that gets him to kind of more commit to his shell. It's his fitting into, like, oh, I can be a father role. Exactly. That's like, definitely what, yeah, and like, what sells that, it for him. Right. And that's not... If you're, like, this cold, hard-hearted dude super masculine hyper you know whatever you you don't come into a space a a woman's space with a child and get along with a child that easily do you know what i mean like he related to this child on in a level that this is not the introverted brooding person who we would have him believe or we would he would have us believe he is he obviously has had some sort of warmth in his life do you know what i mean i guess i guess i was taking more from like the idea of I don't know, maybe him being like a like an orphan or something, where like he was used to providing that kind of attention as like an older brother or being I, like I associate a it with childlikeness yeah. too. Yeah, because like I think the first moment we have of warmth between him and the kid, and it's also the first like moment of levity i guess you get of the film is when they're doing like, the, the kid comes contest? out they, the kid just comes out with a mask oh no it's before that when they're in the elevator and they're doing a staring contest and the kid and benicio loses the staring contest and he's like ah oh i didn't yeah. realize i thought he was just like i thought the kid was just because I, I know there's they do the staring contest in in the mechanic in the yeah, but, yeah, that, later, but, yeah. but that's a callback to yeah. oh, okay yeah. i didn't realize that that's what yeah. he was doing and I the reason the like, reason that stuck out to me is because my when i was first watching this movie i was like oh this is going to be a whole fish out of water thing he's not going to know how to do with this deal with this kid right and then i was struck by the idea that they were they got along immediately mm-hmm. you know so that yeah. that's why it it didn't but okay i'm not saying I guess I don't. I don't think these. I don't think either these of these interpretations work against yeah, exactly. each other at all. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that he's like been in love with other people, and lo- I'm not even saying that he's you know been hetero up to this point. Like I'm just. Yeah. I have no idea. He's but a I'm, man of passion, secret passion. Right. Like he's yeah. he he can relate to people on a level that his um, silence belies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we we 
even if the only people that he's related with before have been children, that is still more significant than what we would think from this man who literally stomps a guy out in an elevator right. and says basically nothing. Well, right? it, it could also be a question of his, I mean, he has this very clear talent for machinery and that's put him into the two, I guess, industries that have been most able to make use out of that are Hollywood and crime. So that's usually not the kind of place where you meet, you know, like a wife and kid in like this very right. quaint, like domestic situation. Of course. But I mean, mm. he's lived in other apartments, right? Like he didn't. Right. He didn't live in, you know, criminal flats <laughs> or anything. <right>? Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I, th- I, 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 I take your point, though. I think I think that that is, I mean, obviously he is a man of of uh trying to to maintain no no commitments right because like i you know i read the him uh uh moving into this new apartment that he moves all the time it's literally he he moves every time he does a job every time he does a heist because he tosses you know you're not going to reach me on this phone he's got a burner cell phone he tosses isn't that a hotel though wasn't that a hotel? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I think he goes to a hotel when he's doing a heist and and starts from there. Yeah, I got the impression that it was probably he moves whenever something goes wrong that he's potentially yes. compromised and he's like, okay, now let's pick up. Let's that's, let's that's move on I'm to the next. That's what I'm thinking too. I'm mm. thinking that too. Is that like, and that's exactly what happens at the end of this movie, right? Where he's right. like, well, can't you know, liter- can't save face around here anymore. Oh my god, <laughs> he's not <laughs> Just dead. Keep doing this. You're he's the dead. worst. He's dead. He's not dead. He's dead, and they didn't have a kiss. <laughs> When does he die, Adam? Okay, get into okay, this. Okay, so yeah, let's get bitch. let's get into this. What is <laughs> this? Is what I came here for to ruin this movie for? <laughs> I dare you? Okay, this is be- right. So yeah, you've said a couple of Fresh. kind of interesting things about like uh, you know, like the kiss wasn't real and he's dead. So can you yeah. elaborate? Can you, on, can like, can you like, show your work? Adam? Uh, absolutely. Can you back no, up like any of these any of these claims? Um, well, I guess I'll start. I mean, the, the obvious thing uh, when I was being a little jerk to be like the kiss isn't real. Yeah. Um, uh, to me, like the the uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like the the obvious, you know, the fantasization of of it, right? The the lights literally dim, and we're given something that happens. Actually, the other time it happens, uh, well, I'll say what it is first. Uh, he's backlit for this, and that produces this kind of like halo effect, right? So, and it's all this is the moment that the the elevator scene is the turning point of this film mm-hmm. from where he becomes a hero right huge air quotes on that instead of a real human being no <laughs> don't you i mean dare. that comes well dude that's no, obviously that's real yeah, that's, that's, okay. that's obviously so real part of it. no it's yeah. absolutely part of it it's absolutely part of it i think i think the real human being comes at the end yes uh and the and real I think the, i think the the ending music really beats that over really that. really really puts it to <laughs> yeah. you yes no absolutely um uh there's a lot of really obvious music choices i think mm-hmm. under your spell desires under your spell um for the party sequence when uh first it's diegetic party music and you hear it through gosling's wall and then we get her obviously thinking about him and then the music is no longer diegetic mm-hmm. it's playing for gosling as well they're both under each other's spell right yeah, so yeah. like yeah you've got these obvious kind of cues romantic cues fairy tale cues and the haloing of gosling in the elevator uh is mirrored at the 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 diner scene or the the restaurant scene at the end when he's talking to to bernie rose and you have that same kind of backlit effect where he has this sort of halo thing no no he's not talking to bernie at the diner not, no, you're talking about the Chinese restaurant. I'm talking buffet. about the, re- the yeah, no, you're I'm talking t- about the Chinese restaurant. Yes, okay, at the very yeah, okay. yeah, sorry. I thought you meant the diner with that guy who he says that I'm going to kick your teeth right. down your throat. No, okay. yeah, you're right. Gotcha. That is definitely a diner and I'm mixing it up. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, as I've said, I think of the driver as a character that lives in myth and he constructs it 
very, very implicitly, right? The fact that he wears the mask, like he's not hiding his identity from anyone anymore. He has all, all of these people are after him. Wearing the mask is not going to protect him in any way, shape, or form. He puts it on because it's the it's the double mask that he wears for the the leading man. That's what the guy. That's what Shannon says. He's like, you're doubling for a leading man. You know, this is this is a big deal. You're not some 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 day day player, right? Yeah. What, also, what I really... bald leading man is in Hollywood that needs him to wear that mask? <laughs> Bruce wear? Willis. I guess he really uh, Vin Diesel. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Literally, I mean, like you know, bald bald action dudes. Not not that rare. Okay, um, yeah. Fair by enough. the way, on my um, this most recent rewatch, I noticed that when he goes in to get that uh, mask that he ends up wearing when he kills Nino. Mm. Um, uh, he passes by a bunch of masks that are made up to look like women, and I wanted so badly for him to take one of those oh. instead because it wouldn't have mattered. Like you said, he's not trying to conceal his identity. No, but it he's- does matter because he's doing this because now he's throwing himself into the violent... Of avenging angel of, of course, Hollywood yeah. myth, of right? course. No, it would have changed the movie entirely. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been one, a very different. But it would have been very cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Fun fact with those masks, the the women's masks. Those are actually the prosthetics that they used for the the Blanche scene from oh, before of her like head. Yeah, because like you, yeah, you can see like the the heads are actually in like various stages of like. Oh my god, like, that's really cool. Yeah. So those are actually props from the movie. Ah. Wait, what? Uh, like, why why would they need to have different? versions of that if it was just a scene of a, a shotgun exploding because you get like different shots of like different... it, it is done in a single shot but but like it i believe from what i understand is that like those are the actual props from blanche's death scene i did i did notice that we're, they were all like uh, they were in like progressive states of like head explosion head trauma, at the very yeah. least it's mm-hmm. a it's mm-hmm. a reference to it if not the actual prop yeah itself. i think i think it's well, probably... I'm, I'm pretty sure the director filming the 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 movie that he's doing the stunt on is refin as well so there's a lot of there's a lot of like drive placing itself in this what is essentially a kind right. of inversion of the fairy tale that is the Hollywood action hero myth. Right. right. So so at what point though do like I, I get that this No, I just y- you could pause why is the kiss not real? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So just you, the dimming light. That's bullshit. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it's bullshit. Because this entire movie is from the driver's perspective, yep. right? We are always watching things like when when he's walking down the hall. We are watching. It's like we're in first not always. Uh, we're not always in his perspective, though. Sorry, I don't. I don't obviously, sometimes we see him face on. I'm not saying that. I'm, no, no, I'm, no. I mean, I mean, like we get stuff that he. We get plenty of scenes. Well, yeah, like that he doesn't see. Outside. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. But okay, what I'm okay. saying is that the like the 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 emotion of the movie it follows his emotion. So when things are going poorly for him. The emotion of the movie is a lot more, um, a lot more rushed, a lot more uh, suspenseful. Mm-hmm. When things are going nicely for him, he looks better, and he's you know what I mean. Like the the movie, the mo- mood of the movie is reflected in the driver, mm-hmm. which would mean entirely to me that a movie that is this stylized mm-hmm. and this pretty would do things like. When like you, dim the lights when, when you he's kiss, thinking about when you kiss the woman her. that you love, not thinking about kissing her. <laughs> Like dim the di- when you when you kiss the woman that you're in love with for the very first time, knowing that it's probably the last time or that it could be the last time. I'll give the, I'll give one other wait, little. Just give thing. Me, just all right, all right. The, <laughs> the the even just like if you, in your own mind the world seems to stop type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. And like I mean, it goes and in we slow get motion. that before. Yeah, yeah, but wait. We get the slow motion wait, wait, before. Wait, too. But it, I know it goes in slow motion. That doesn't mean that in real life it's going in slow motion, Adam. <laughs> that means no. That, no I, right, so, so. The, I've watched movies before. Know, I'm, not but, sure, so, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But so why? Why have we talked before? <laughs> but so why? Why the lights dimming? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would that signal yeah, so, that something is wrong like, or are, that something is not real? Are you being cute? 
when yeah. you're saying that or like do you honestly believe that like this is like at this point he's entered into like this is fantasy not reality for I, him okay I don't oh, well okay I'm being a little bit cute because uh, to me it doesn't make a difference whether he does or doesn't um, <laughs> and you just want to rile me up <laughs> <laughs> a little a little bit I mean <laughs> but but uh, uh, essentially uh, what I'm getting at is and I mean again you mentioned the, 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 the slowdown the only other times we get slowdown is when we have a literal moment of of adrenaline dump, right? So, like, her head gets blown off, and he's like, oh, shit, now I have to try and kill these two guys kind of thing, right? We get these slowdowns for for his moments of... it's Slow motion is always his interiority. So what you said about, like, the movie attaching itself yeah. to his his perspective in, in very, very distinct ways, I think is very, very true. I will, I will say there's two close-ups on Christina Hendricks specifically where it's being slow mode when they're on the, on the car chase which is still like attached to him it's still what I'm oh, saying yes. is the mood but That's it's right. her experiencing the slowdown sure, I mean, sure. it's it's not uncommon though to show like hyper competence and like right like spatial awareness by slowing things down of course right. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean that's the yeah. easiest way it's literally what happens to a, f- a human brain when you right. get a bunch which of is, adrenaline which is what I'm saying about right. the kiss yeah. right so slow motion as a thing that indicates um, his state that's that's in the movie that's established lights dimming is not Okay, and I think of it <laughs> as like either way, this is the tran- this is the turning point for him, right? This is this is for him, like okay, I gotta make a move, literally, yeah. in two ways, yeah. Um, and unbeknownst to him, it's a farewell. Right? Yes, this is the end of the relationship. <laughs> right. Um, so it's it's him achieving the last thing he wants, and I don't know, I just get the. Uh, because again, like my my uh, the the fact that Gosling reads this character as a as a character uh, who is himself like submerged by Hollywood myth and right. wants to live Hollywood myth, which would mean he would kiss her. Maybe, yeah, because yeah. it fits with the myth. Sure, yeah. So I, but I, just I don't, don't think, understand. But I don't think he actually. I don't think he becomes the myth until he stomps that motherfucker's head into paste. That's what I'm getting. I at. don't understand why you why you think that the 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 head stomping occurs, but the kiss does not. Because that's because the because the head stomping is the only thing that necessarily is carried in the plot afterwards. Kiss is never mentioned, right? In any, I mean, like not not that it would have to be like. Right. Remember that because, time you kissed me? Well, because it's a farewell kiss, right? Like it's as far as he's concerned, this may be. This could very well be the last opportunity that he ever has. Right, which, right? which, which, which if anything, is like the perfect thing to fulfill the movie myth in his mind, right? Like he's got it. It's got to be like one of those like Gone with the Wind type of like this is the last possible chance. Yeah, yeah. I just don't understand why one would be true and the other one wouldn't. In that case, like, what do you think he does? He just like sitting there thinking about it for a couple seconds and then he stomps. I think he it? moves her back. I think he moves her into the corner and then moves her aside. That's so weird. <laughs> In either case, it doesn't but, make a okay, difference so to me. I, I will agree that that's the one time where, like, for the most part... The, we have a stylization the, the, that's put into our lens that is unlike the rest of it. it. Yeah, it's it's explicitly different from other places. And it, I think that it's not unreasonable to ask the question whether or not it's... Whether it's done to completely like to to highlight and right. emphasize like the dimming like lights the, the either importance way of the are in his head him. right whether he kisses her or not yeah it's the lights didn't dim right yeah, yeah of course. that's in his head yeah which which like 
literally has happened to me in a romantic situation. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be cute. Like I'm saying that this is like a, a thing that like emotions will do to you. Okay. Time will slow down. Right. Thi- like white noise. All the noise turns to white. You know what I mean? Like this is like sure. a, a yeah. very regular thing that happens to people when they're experiencing heightened emotions. I it think used to happen to me while I was playing sports. Like this is not a. It'll probably also happen to you when you're going. I'm gonna stomp this guy's head into paste. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it was so it's sh- like a yeah. So I mean, like I mean, I'm not again. Yeah, yeah. So I am being cute. It is like a Schrodinger's cat thing for me where I don't it doesn't make a difference to me in the same sense that whether he lives or die dies at the end see now that that I'm much more I'm much I, I can be okay so well, there's a lot of more weird stuff attached right exactly to the I can entertain that part at the end and right. in fact and in fact I mean the idea that this might be all in purgatory for him or something and that right. this is literally his existence is moving from one place to another falling in love with people and then having to leave hurting right. them right. which which I think is the scorpion it's in his nature to hurt someone yes. and Irene is the toad or sorry the frog toads don't swim um, and so it's in his nature and he like Sisyphus really? is damned to do this hmm. for all eternity he will never be happy which I mean I, I think that's much more whether or not he's dead like you said doesn't really matter doesn't to me I think that's actually what's happening yeah it's a completely minor point I didn't mean to let no no I know I know I know I just got I well, just got just, intense no, about but, it because I, it's it's one of the but, only points of, of kind of like um, and I'm, I'm not into like romantic movies or well, anything I this guess is that's not... the thing yeah is that like for every other thing I think it subverts the what you would expect right for the romantic arc this is the only time where, it, where feeds into it. it feeds into it completely and it does this light dimming thing that is at every other point the techniques are associated with violence or his self For sure. glorification as this. But I think that that completely, that juxtaposition heightening the violence that happens immediately afterwards right. and then the really amazing reaction right. that Irene's character has, I, I think that Irene's reaction to what happens is made much more important based on the fact that they just had that kiss. Right. Because it's, I mean, just because she slaps him beforehand, just because she's very sad about Standard and she's confused, does not mean she does not have feelings for this guy anymore. Right. Obviously right. she does, right? Fair enough. Yeah. And she not point. only has to deal with the fact that, you know, she's just been kissed by this guy, but she's also, you know, you an kind accessory of... accessory to murder? <laughs> well, she's also witnessed, like, an act of violence that no most human beings have never right. seen in their lives. That's like, right. That's, and she hasn't just... Like by this guy who she just she's like two feet away. Yeah. yeah, by this guy who she's you know, had this had this connection. Also, with, and she's just like mm-hmm. seen him like tear this mask off and right. Oh, exactly. And that's and that's one of the things I did like about that Netflix um, description is that uh, she we have to remember she knows nothing about this guy, and the only other relationship that we know she has with someone is she was literally 17 and the guy who impregnated her and this kid is like five didn't know that she was 17 until that very conversation apparently yeah but oh so it was illegal yuck yuck, yuck. yeah exactly like <laughs> yeah. and we've yeah. never had we've literally never had this conversation the entire <laughs> yeah, time that we've never been told together. this story before yeah um anyway so <laughs> <Googly> like movie. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know anything about this guy and i mean you would be scared if that happened with the person that you've known since birth right but like the 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 fact that the driver leaves afterwards and you know calls her up and says I'm not which which I'm interested to know if you guys think it, is that a mach, ma- machine message that she's listening to I thought I got the impression that okay it was a message yeah. yeah yeah and um I, I thought so too because she doesn't she just moves the phone or whatever yeah. but yeah the fact that she the fact that uh you know they end their relationship and that he is able to be like okay that was messed up but you know uh, and, and I I can't do anything to get back from that right that that speaks to a certain level of 
understanding of his own character that these kind of mythic figures that he's calling back to wouldn't have. Do you know what I mean? Like he, I would, I would much right sooner. I, I kissed the girl. I stomped the head. I kissed the girl again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like now, right, now right. the girl belongs to me right. and now I can, I am going to protect her forever. Right. But I thought it was kind of interesting in this kind of, and Another thing I fucking love about movies set in L.A. is that L.A. is such a great place to set a movie of ambiguous year. You know what I mean? Like you you are not entirely sure what year it is because L.A. parts of L.A. have looked the same for the past 40 years. Right. Like this is so. And and I mean, this movie has a lot of it's about nostalgia. It's about nostalgia. Exactly. It has a lot of. So so is L.A. (laughs) Exactly. L.A. is a very nostalgic place, which is one of the reasons I love it so much, probably. Um, But. So the idea that this is a woman who has been able to kind of make a decision and Mm. and also cut him out of this, out of her life Mm. and be safe, Mm. I think was a really interesting part too. I did not see it coming that he was going to be like, okay, I'm going to leave your life because I know that I am a scorpion and cannot, this, it's in my nature. And for her to kind of be like, okay, good. Maybe I can start fresh now after all this craziness. She doesn't though she the choice is sort of made for her as well well he leaves because i think like you said he recognizes that like because of who he right is and what he keeps getting involved in that right and then she goes and knocks on his door she goes and knocks on his door like she tries to reach i mean that's not necessarily like let's let's hook up now it's like are you alive exactly and that's exactly what i think this is because if she if she was uh and what i'm i'm not even saying that this is like i'm not talking about i'm talking about meta in a meta way the character was not written to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just killed that guy. Let's run away or whatever. Do you know what right. I mean? Like she went off and did whatever. She, she wasn't going to work, by the way. She got the babysitter. The babysitter was there. She was going somewhere off doing her own thing for Irene's time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like she was going somewhere for Irene. And she uh, probably goes off and, you know, maybe does whatever she was supposed to do. But her day and life has changed and she does not the character is not it's a really bad day it's a bad fucking day and that's what i'm saying is like most characters written in a movie like this would not have had that kind of independence attached to that hero no absolutely right but i think that also like in most fairy tales like and even in like a james bond movie which i've watched a lot of recently yeah you have yeah but uh well because i got the blu-ray set right yeah um like that scene would have stopped after the guy got knocked out and put on the ground but i think it's super important that like yes. what is it you said like stomped into paste like it yeah. doesn't stop when like it doesn't even stop when the guy is dead no, no like right. ralph no, yeah. is sitting there going stop yeah. Yeah. he's already <laughs> dead yeah, yeah. like right, that's, which is that's which is excessive. his nature right like that's the thing that, that turns the whole, it it's the whole in like yeah what makes this movie a study of this kind of archetype this hollywood action hollywood action hero yeah. archetype where it's just like no no no, this is about barbarity right. really and which like if i can be even more kind of reading into her character as like um when it comes from a feminist angle mm. these are the types of things where it's like i will protect you um, you know, I will never get mad at you. I will blah, 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 blah. Then, like, given the opportunity, I will not only kill this guy, but I will make it so that his dental records are unidentifiable. You know what I mean? Like, right. this, these are the types of things that women have to look out for as being, okay, if you need to go that far Morning for this. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These are red flags, right? Yeah. Um, and I just think it's really great that she was able to make these decisions to leave afterwards. If it was me and that had just happened, I would have been scared as hell to leave his proximity yeah. because what if 
he gets mad that I leave. Well, you know what I mean? I like, mean this and, is... that's, and that's the thing about Gosling's performance there that is that is so great. And, when he I mean, looks like, at her afterwards, yeah, I noticed their, that the other day. I was like, their performances Shit. Are, are everything hinges on these looks, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole romance literally hinges on their yes. looks to one another. But yeah. I think there's a fun quote from Carrie Mulligan where. I'm not going to quote her, but I'm going to paraphrase this great paraphrase from Carrie Mulligan, where she says that like basically she got paid to like show up and stare at Ryan Gosling for, <laughs> right. for hours at a time. Exactly, which yeah. I think is another great like point at the fact that she probably knows too that she's like I'm not on the same level right. of like knockout as this guy, and this is the thing. And then I mean right. like one of my favorite parts that I only noticed on the rewatch too was when they come into the, her apartment the first time and he's carrying the groceries and she runs through the apartment and picks up her bras and throw them, throws Starts them in like, the, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And cause like, that's totally like, I mean, obviously you would only do that if you're sexually attracted to this person. <laughs> if it's literally someone who's just helping you with groceries, it doesn't yeah. fucking matter what your apartment looks like. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but uh, sorry to, um, uh, about the point that I was saying about that, that expression he makes, I find it uh, very much, it's childlike. Right. Yeah. It's, it's cause like he's, he's literally spitting with rage when he's stomping on this guy's head. Um, and when he turns, back he's drenched in sweat and he's uh he has that a, a look that is similar to the the kind of looking away childlike look that yeah. he has before they even enter the the elevator like well maybe you could come with me i don't know right yeah, yeah. and it's that sheepish childish uh look of just like what but also i got a little bit of it's happened again. You yeah. know what I mean? It, like, it de- fuck, yes. this, yeah. this is yeah. The, yeah. the end of this one now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Interesting. And that's another and I reason why I think that there's there's been times like this before. Oh, absolutely. Whether or not it's been a romantic thing, there, sure. have, been, there have been close relationships. He scared people off with yeah. incredible violence. Exactly. There's yeah. been close so, relationships. Somebody that found him ended. doing something in a forest at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Did that strike a nerve? Like, <laughs> Is it not completely obvious that I'm in love with this man? Like, are you... <laughs> Okay, so since, you know, we're talking about Irene's love interest and everything, I found myself really compelled by Standard Absolutely. in, in this movie. That's another character Harsh. that Oscar Isaac, uh, his his additions to that role completely changed Ooh, tell me the about character these ones. I don't know the them. I don't, I don't well, know originally this. it was much more straightforward where it was like... Oh, where he was just like a hoodlum, right? Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. this thug, gets out of prison, and it's like, well, obviously he's not right for her, right? And um, again, as I said, Refn kind of... Yeah, he he is the kind of guy who like literally he doesn't he doesn't send out casting calls or anything like that. He sits down with actors and tells them the thing, and he sees how they respond, and then he either gives them the job or he doesn't. Um, and I it's guess nice, not a lot of work for him, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, and Mulligan apparently really got the job on the uh, on the advice of his wife, Liv Corfixen, who's uh, uh, an artist herself and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I've got this great woman. Don't worry, she's white. <laughs> <laughs> well, and apparently, his wife worked with Mulligan uh, before, which is the other reason that she got skyrocketed at the top of the list. But okay. again, yeah, I, I think I think had it had it played out as the original like idea and screenplay that Refn had, it would have been unbelievably racist because you would have had like a Latinx couple uh, where a literal white knight comes in <laughs> yeah. uh, and and steal is the deluxe edition of this thug because again, uh, what's what. You know the reason standard is such an interesting uh, um, contrast to him is that standard shows actual what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very simple word. Regret. Regret. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very yeah. telling remorse. that I don't remorse. know. I, I, remorse. Yeah. I think yeah. Is the yes. Word. That's the word. Yeah. Um, that's not in my vocabulary apparently. No. Um, uh, so he he like that's basically his defining characteristic is that he's someone who who feels shame about having been in prison. Uh, he owes a bunch of money because he had to pay for protection 
Uh, which means he's not the tough guy. Which means he's not a thug who's yeah. who's who hooked up with a with a prison gang right away, right? Like, yeah. uh, uh, he's he's an actual guy who appears to want to be a good father and who wants to go straight, kind of thing. And so Oscar Isaac sat down, and was like, "Okay, I get this world and I get all this, but isn't it like isn't it more interesting if this character is?" Not a piece of shit, yeah. right? If he's if he's a guy who actually is just trying to do the right thing and is and is or, stuck in this bad situation. At the very least, he's like ambiguously a piece of shit because like we don't know at first what he did, right? And I mean like, but it, it can't be that bad if it's something that he he, he got has, released early for. Yeah, as well. he got released early, and he hasn't been in prison that long because Benicio is still at this age where, yeah. like from from six months to six months, this kid is going to look different, and the pictures in their uh sure. thing, he looks the same. There you go. I guess like my my main concern in watching this was like was this because of a domestic issue oh i and, see and so i was like you know like was you know is she, is she coming from a situation which would have use or something which is like also that? extremely like racially <laughs> charged. Uh, charged. and you know that might be that might be on me in this case I'm... <laughs> well i mean you know we're, we're given very little but uh, we don't know okay i in my defense we don't know what he looks like <laughs> before he gets out um, well these pictures of him Oh, yeah, yeah, and you see, yeah. you see, you see his mug when he's dead. You see his mugshot of him going to prison the first time, and he looks like a just a nice, yeah, looks like a nice. And well, I, I'm just saying when we first find out that, like, yeah, he's in prison and everything, like, right. we don't know anything about him. Well, yes. these, but the reason that we do know th- that he's in prison is because there's a photo of Benicio and yeah, standard. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I also just wanted to point out too that I think it's really cool that they got Oscar Isaac, who is also a hunky guy and yeah. not some oh, he's, skeezy looking. He's my boyfriend as well. Okay, you you're taking a lot of boyfriends, well, and they're. All they're I'm sorry. Um, I've got a lot of love, love to give. <laughs> well, that's really nice. Okay. I don't actually. I, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was weird for me to watch this after, like post Force Awakens. Oh yeah. Because I just like I love Poe Dameron so much, to to go back and be like, and I mean, I what about a, Ex Machina? I had a similar <laughs> I had a similar thing with Ex Machina where I was like, ooh, <laughs> well, I like you. <laughs> so. Would, it it is interesting to have the complexity to a character that could have very easily been just kind of like filling a void and everything, and it was, it was curious to be like, um, and I'm hoping that this isn't me just kind of, you know, doing a racial thing in my head, but it's like having the feeling of, I mean, the movie does such a great job of doing these like lingering looks and like you know having this swelling music whenever the driver and Irene look at each other like you're supposed to be rooting for them right you're supposed to like be like rah 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 mm-hmm. and at the time you don't know that he's getting out soon and everything or that standard is getting out soon so then when he comes in he's kind of like this interloper like he's yes. like he's disrupting yeah this thing but then you meet him and you're like he's not that bad a you're guy. like yeah you don't seem like that bad of a guy yeah. and like you and seem you start like you're trying him. and then yep. like but then he d- gets into this pissing contest in the hallway and you're like oh but- like you jerk but then you're like but also, that's yeah, what, that's what I watched with the most like interest on my rewatch was I really wanted to see every moment <laughs> of that scene and how how standard when he's just like alpha dogging outside of like his house. Yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you were taking care cool, of my wife. No, that's cool. great. And just that's like great. him trying to. But like... I think one but of then the it ends things... on with him going, OK, buddy, let's let's leave mom to talk with her friend. Right. I, like, it's that's, literally yeah, him that's just a... being like, hi. Also, the fact I that mean, he it's, even has... It's not just that, though. It's sure. not... You, like, you say the word just, but it's not just that. It's him saying, like, I'm going to 
trust you yes. right now with like gigantic air quotes around sure. here. But like we're this isn't we're not done talking about this. Yes. I, I like I see where you guys are coming from, but the thing that struck me the most about that scene is that Benicio is there and literally in between the two of them. Yes. And we can't what it's also really about exactly. it's about we, the fatherhood role. We can't yeah, we can't stress enough how much this is not just him interested in his cute neighbor. He is like I want to be this family, Benicio's right? Daddy, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. If you know, I mean, the 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 parts that they share, Benicio and he together, like that part, the when they're watching the cartoons, and uh, and he's like, well, why, like, why do you know he's a bad guy? And he's like, well, it's, look he's a him. shark. Look, look at, at him. him. Yeah, yeah. Like, are all sharks bad guys? Well, look at him. Which is like obviously talking about how the movie. Yeah, it's talking <laughs> about the movie. Yeah, but it's talking about whether or not we can think, you know. Is um, standard a bad guy because right. of the way he looks? Is yeah. is the driver a bad guy because of the way he looks? Nino is clearly a bad guy because of the way he looks. Good lord, Ron Perlman is an <laughs> unfortunate looking person. I love Ron Perlman. Holy moly! I do want to get into him, so let's let's stick a pin in that for a second. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that I thought it, that when we're talking about posturing and we're talking about masculine, um, you know, this peacocking, mm-hmm. which which Ryan Gosling, sorry, which the driver really subverts in that he not only is he quiet but he's also not interested in this he doesn't he doesn't attack as much as when it comes to peacocking as much as oscar isaac's character is doing yeah but the fact that he's brought his child to it is not a masculine thing right like this is not a masculinity this is not a he's not he's avowing this fatherly role he actually was just bringing out the fucking trash with his kid. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, and Irene is like, "I can do that," and he's like, "No, I got it." Right. And it's very, it's all this kind of like, "I am a good dad." Like, I, I want to be part of this. All those people in there, we're partying and we have beer, but these are like nice, well dressed people who yeah. are in here. Yeah. Everybody looks like they're pretty, you know, calm and yeah. you know having a nice time. This mm-hmm. is a civilized party. Mm. This is also a civilized apartment. Like, we never see the inside of. Uh, the driver's apartment really but like it's a nice hallway and irene's apartment is a nice apartment like this is, we're not talking about skid row here mm-hmm. yeah these are these are supposed to be i don't know but there's like there's there's like i think it might be a situation of like it being like hollywood poor because like there's like cracks in the wallpaper and stuff like it's right yeah, it's supposed to be in like some kind like and she works at denny's and she's the one bringing in the money right. and everything. no no right. i get that but like you're saying it's not coded as a place where a bunch of crooks hang out that's exactly yeah, what i'm saying it is For very sure. heavily visually coded exactly. <laughs> i guess i guess the scene and that if you have underground parking in la you are doing pretty good <laughs> that's true actually <laughs> actually i didn't even think of that I, yeah i guess the next the next domestic scene kind of undoes a bit of that for me because when they're sitting around the table and there's a couple things that i want to say about this scene but there's a when they're sitting around the table and standard kind of uses the kid as a prop to yeah to alpha dog or piss on or whatever we want to call it uh when he's like Oh hey, Benicio, do you want to hear the story about how me and your you, me and your mom first met? And it turns out like it it's like this dog shit story where he gets right. like where he gets he, he but gets, then he gets really whatever. emotional and he's like, I love my family, yeah, I, I, best day and, of my life. and I've got a new friend, and like, yeah. I don't think it ends at all on posturing. No, well, I, th- I think I th- he's being sincere. Like, I think it's a, and, and I think that the, it's like a toxic masculinity thing to buy into this being like, hey, I'm going to remind everybody at the table that I'm married to her. Yes. Yeah. but it's not. It's not out of like a ma- malicious place. It's not yeah. out of a place that is doesn't want this guy to be part of their life anymore. Because he's been consistently emasculated. Like, when he sees the driver, like, he's been beat the fuck up, and he sees the driver, and he goes, fuck, you yeah. know, like, great. This is the one guy I didn't want to come yeah. help me. Yeah. <laughs> right? the, like, uh, I get there. there's one little imagery thing that um, I felt was kind of, 
I mean, it, it, it's intentional, obviously. There's a prop department associated with this thing. But the when they're sitting around, they're having that conversation. Um, Irene, Benicio, and the driver are all drinking from the same kind of cup. Uh, and then yeah, I, yeah. Uh, Standard is drinking from a different kind of cup. Mm. And I, I believe it's like the three of them are drinking water and he's drinking alcohol. So it's still like this, like you're separate from this right. new right. thing that's Family been formed. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's more just me talking I about. Like, no, I noticed I, a no, thing. No, I think that's but, true. No, that's, I, th- yeah. I, I think that's absolutely what the movie is going for. I think I think it's othering it, it's him. what makes Standard a tragic character, right? Where it's like, this is a good guy who has been fucked by all of this or yeah. he's a bad guy who's trying hard now sure yeah but yeah, as opposed I, I, to the driver I, who who is he's going to start trying hard by <laughs> by murdering people right. yeah i think i think at the end of the day like it is commendable that there's this kind of complexity to the character instead of just like i think without it it's 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 a it's a very different movie. Oh yeah, it's a no, very it different awful. movie. So uh, I hope Oscar Isaac gets residual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, because if this okay. movie was was um, played as straight as as the way it sounds uh, in its original treatment, I think this would have been a very very like. It, well, I mean, it undercuts what is it was uh, what is obviously the kind of central what I think point to to this whole thing as so, we keep saying. I mean you can we've kind of talked about Refn a bit as a director and I think it's kind of cool that it seems like something that he does well is acknowledging that it's like okay sometimes other people are going to have good ideas and it's okay to just be like okay you know what like Absolutely. Cuz I guess right from what I read and this is IMDb trivia so I think I've said before take that with a grain of salt cuz it's generally horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Uh well a lot I mean like it's, there's no there's nobody's fact checking IMDb oh, trivia, right? Yeah. Um, but apparently, like Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan, can I just go and put in? <laughs> Ryan Gosling was thinking about Caroline Deason the entire time. Yeah, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Uh, as long as you hyperlink the podcast, it's fine. Right. <laughs> <Go nuts. laughs> um, but yeah, I guess they were the ones who were like, no, 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 like less is more when it comes to the dialogue and like the lingering glances and everything is is the way that we want to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I got that information from too. So Ron Perlman, uh, you brought up, and I think that he. It does, you know, we've kind of celebrated in the past people who do a lot with little. Um, Ron Perlman, right out of the gate, is just insufferable as a human being because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, first words out of his mouth are a racial slur, complaining about uh, Bernie coming into his restaurant and eating Chinese food, although he doesn't call it Chinese food. Although, does he serve Chinese food in the restaurant and then he complains when Bernie no, orders no, he's, it? No, his, his is a pizza place. His is a pizza place and yeah. then Bernie brings Chinese yeah, food. Bernie's yeah, Bernie's got a lackey. Place, right, yeah. Which um, is probably, I guess, that Chinese food is probably from the Golden Dragon or wherever. Yeah, the, you're probably right. Whatever the yeah, place is. his favorite spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing that uh, with that character, first of all, I hate him, and I think you're supposed to, but yeah, I mean, oh like, God. Yeah. that's brilliant casting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. I just wanted to really quickly, because I noticed this on the watch yesterday, when uh, when the driver is standing outside looking into Nino's, and uh, we see Ron Perlman just <laughs> yeah. losing his shit laughing. And the his interlocutor, who appears to be a young woman, is just like so So mad. done with his yeah, shit. Yeah, she yeah. is yeah, just yeah, yeah. pissed. And I, right. I love that little bit because I'm pretty sure I noticed it before, but I thought about it last time when I watched that. Like, if she had been laughing too, even if it had kind of been kind of like a uh-huh, like sure, I'll humor you type of laugh, that would have not been noticeable. But the fact that she's, like, actually mad is just like, oh, you want him dead. Like, so bad. Like, you hate this. Well, guy. yeah, and it's great. That happens again in uh, in the strip club where all of the strippers... Is there a better word to use for strippers? That's fine to use for Exotic right? dancers. You can say dancers. Yeah. Sure. All the, all the dancers in the strip club are... Did I just undo it? Anyway. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, like where this guy comes in and he's like holding a bullet over a man's head and is ready to like hammer it into his head. They're all and just then, like sweet. They're yeah. all just like, and who's the new I, management going to be? I guess yeah. it's Wednesday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Can I play devil's advocate for yeah, really quickly? That kind of pissed me off because part of me was like, are you. Tits says window dressing. Well, th- yeah, but uh, at the other, like, I don't know. I, I get in arguments all the time with people who are like, well, what do you expect? They're in a strip club. Of course, there's going to be tits. And I'm like, well, shut up. Like, right. You know, they're not naked the entire time backstage. They're, they're not. Yeah, they're not naked the entire time backstage. But also, like, you know, cameras can, like, do different shots, right? Like, you don't have to see mm-hmm. that all the time. Like, this is mm-hmm. deliberate. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I was actually going to say is that the fact that, like, none of the strippers, exotic dancers, whatever, um, reacted. For one, I thought it was a cool shot. Like, it's just kind of cool watching them all be, like, completely static. Um, but that's, like, really disempowering in, in my mind. Like, these are literally just mannequins at that point and then also what like why don't they react like are they all drugged up like how well, bad is their life that well, they do not care well that and this that's is that's where i was coming from is that like because of the nature of the business that this guy is into they're just like like i said it's like it's just another wednesday that like once again like violence is being i think, I think yeah i think of it there. as like explicitly trying to just blend in to just be I see it. I see it as them being desensitized, which is unf- certainly unfortunate I've, no, for like I, their, I'm agreeing their with lives. You, but yeah. I'm saying that the fact that they are desensitized is not good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This is yeah. not. This is not. And what is this saying about exotic dancers specifically? Is this saying that mm. man, this is a terrible industry, or is this saying you know these are completely these are people who do not care? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. no way you read this is the is this coming out good for these women who have to go through this? Right. right. I saw. I Absolutely. saw. It, I saw it kind of too as um, because of their willingness to go along with things that it wasn't just that they were desensitized that they were like they were done with that guy's shit like the guy who was like about to be killed and they were like it is no skin off our backs if this guy dies because Cook is another character that is he's the kind of dude who he's the kind of dude who would be like when I'm backstage you're not wearing clothes yeah of course no I I get all that but I'm just saying that I think that it's tragic and I'm not sure how many people how many people think about that because it's as opposed to just being like "Ah, this is the part I pause on yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I just sure. and and I also think that it's really well acted by all those those extras, and I'm not entirely sure who those extras are. I'm not entirely sure if they're actresses or if they're actual exotic dancers, but I do know that Christina Hendricks's character was supposed to be played by an actual porn star, mm-hmm. yeah. and that they shot actual scenes with this I don't know who it was uh, porn star, and that they found that she could not believably be scared. And part of me is like, interesting. Oh. Well, yeah. Well, part of me is like, dude, like. Did you did you just like open the phone book and find the first porn star that was listed? Because you can find a porn star that can act, and you can definitely find one that can look scared. scared. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure, this is not. Who are you going for? Not. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done Christina Hendricks because that obviously worked out. But I just, it's interesting to me where there's this thing that I've noticed a lot lately, where um, so it happened again in John Wick, where there's a UFC fighter who's uh, an extra in John Wick. And that is one of the things that I used as kind of like a um, an example for why this should not be looked at as like a you know art house art, art house film yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. like if you're if you're employing wrestlers UFC fighters or porn stars um, and you're not Paul Paul Thomas Anderson then you probably are doing it you know not really thinking about what you're doing so much at, more right. than like hey this is this person fills this specific body type and yeah. also they're famous or whatever or you're stunt casting yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just uh, that that part with the with the strippers is really interesting. I also find it like 
part of me is the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, is it supposed to be very interesting that the driver does not care at all? You know, like he does not even he does not interact with any of these women. He does not worry about them being in the room. You know what I mean? Like, is this mm. what or does this doesn't say about worry the about them seeing his face, even though he puts on the mask later, like yep. you mentioned, or yep. you mentioned, yeah, somebody mentioned. Sorry, yeah, which is another thing about this whole. Um, so I'm I'm assuming we're segueing kind of to the end of the movie now. Well, I wasn't quite done with uh with oh, Nino, sorry. but that's fine. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I was just going to say that I don't actually think that he's covering his identity to because he's worried about being identified when he puts on that mask. Um, mm. Did we talk about that already? We did. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So. I wasn't sure. But about I was when. just like him throwing himself into yeah. the Hollywood. I think that's right, kind of yeah. curious, like him as like a white knight. Whether it's just like it's only for her, you know, it's only for Irene. That's and, what I'm saying. And he's absolutely not white knighting for like these no, dancers. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That's absolutely. what I'm saying. No, he could not care less. And that's why, like, when that he, when he has that conversation with that one in the hallway who's extremely flippant to him. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's. I mean, there's a reason that that those lines were delivered that way. It's yeah, not. It's yeah. not. That's not a normal. Well, plus the fact that he slaps Blanche. Right. Yeah. Like. Like it's. It's like there. There are the women who are part of this, and there are the women who are not part of this. Well, and one. It like one group is deserving of respect, and one is just, you know, part of the dirty collateral part of damage. Job. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that collateral damage is yeah. a much better way of putting it because he at this point has been like, okay, you, you are not trustworthy anymore. You are working against my plan, and therefore you are putting my family in danger mm-hmm. you know what i mean like and that's when it turns from you are no longer a woman you are a threat to my family because mm. it is his family mm-hmm. when when he hits blanche is what i'm saying mm-hmm. um, so very briefly because i mean you can't talk too much about it because uh there isn't too much time in the movie spent talking about it but uh, with nino on top of like being like a giant piece of shit it's uh it's interesting to compare the fact that the very first thing you hear of his mouth is racial slur and then he gets and then he complains about it super mad that people like from the family are using racial slurs against him and the fact that like his name nino mm. is this like adopted uh italian sounding name right. yeah definitely I, and he runs a pizza place <laughs> and he runs a pizza place meanwhile uh in a very brief moment when bernie is talking to him he calls him izzy so presumably like short for isaac like calling him by like his like right. natural born like jewish name hebrew name yeah and or hebrew name yeah thank you um so just like this man who's like living this lie, but also he's this man who like nobody can tolerate, including his business partner. And everybody's just kind of like, man, like fucking Nino, yeah. <laughs> like ruining everything for everything. I also yeah. I always am surprised because the first time that we see Shannon and Bernie interact, I think it's the the first time. Yeah, it is the first time. Um there's obviously a hierarchy there where Bernie tells Shannon to put the cigarette out and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And and, and instead of being like, dude, whatever or whatever, you know, like saying something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. He's very, he's very apologetic. And so there's clearly a hierarchy there. But then the next time we see that we kind of get, we kind of infer that there's still a hierarchy where Shannon is under Nino. But when Nino says something about like this pussy mobile or whatever, Shannon makes a, a under his breath to to Bernie and yeah. says like he couldn't find pussy in a warehouse. And like the the first time that that happened, I was like, man, you are going to get punched in the face. Like these two yeah. are obviously, you know, higher up than but you. But Bernie's also like, fuck. But me. Bernie does it exactly, <laughs> sure. which is like just such a good little kind of throwaway he's, he's thing. He's smart enough to say it under his breath. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, he doesn't say it so Nino can hear it, but Bernie yeah. does hear it. And yeah. it's just kind of a little throwaway piece of character development that yeah. shows us that everybody hates Nino. Like, even mm-hmm. Bernie hates Nino. Yeah. Yeah. And what that's what makes it so interesting is that, um, and I, mean, I think something that's tying this whole movie together in a way that is not terribly subtle, not that this movie is particularly subtle in much of anything that it does, but it's just like, it's basically saying, like, don't get involved in crime because you can't get out of it. Right. Because you end up with these like 
ties of uh, loyalty and and all sorts of issues that are just going to keep coming back to bite you because Bernie is just kind of like, man, like he genuinely wishes that he could have had his name on this car. And he's like, I mm-hmm. don't want to kill yeah. my friend. I don't want to be going toe to toe. But because of all of this, I'm stuck. And Standard is stuck in his life because he's allowed himself to get involved. And whether he's the scorpion or whether he's the frog, the driver is stuck in this con- continual situation. It's just people keep getting sucked into it. And once you're in it, you can't get out of it. So, yeah, it's it's this really, like, hopeless, inescapable thing that just, like, you're better off just, like, listen. Like, just don't do not do it in the first yeah, place. Right. It's, it's kind of like one. a race against drugs sort of thing. It's, like, sort of <laughs> approach to crime, right? Mm-hmm. Crime don't pay. That's, I, I was going to say that. Oh, you... You can just cut me out. You get yours. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say c- crime doesn't pay, so you made it much cooler. I, I contract everything as much as possible. It's good. Yeah. It's good for podcasts especially. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the uh, one of the final scenes where they're in the Chinese restaurant, when they, they meet in the Chinese restaurant, and they're having a conversation at a table, and while they're having this conversation, it's cut into what's happening in the parking lot. Right. And the reason I was going to bring this up earlier is that this happens in broad daylight in a parking lot of a strip mall restaurant. And these are the times where I'm I'm much more willing to question what's real and what's not because at the very beginning of this movie, the which by the way, like one of the things that drew me to this movie was how it's like Grand Theft Auto the movie. Because the beginning is definitely that. Because you can't see the radar where you're going, but he has the uh, police scanner, which you also have in Grand Theft Auto, so that he can kind of like plan his route, which is just the coolest and extremely suspenseful. Good way to start a movie. But for the rest of the movie, every time he does something where probably, you know, he's breaking the law, he doesn't have that uh, police scanner anymore. When he goes, when he does the big pawn shop heist, he doesn't bring his police scanner and the cops don't show up. When he rams... Um, Nino's car and kills him in like off the cliffs of Santa Monica (laughs) cops don't show up like nobody calls are you kidding me you're driving down Pacific Coast Highway and nobody sees this happen and like calls the cops so they don't show up and then this stab fight that goes on for quite a few minutes goes on in the broad daylight of this parking lot where there are other cars parked around he drives away and Bernie's body is there with a million dollars and, you know, he gets away with it, right? He leaves. Nothing. The cops are not called. He doesn't have to turn his scanner on. All of these things are these little, like, fantasy indicative things that I'm thinking, hmm, how much of this is supposed to be complete, ridiculous fairy tale suspension of disbelief? Mm. And how much of this is just kind of crappy storytelling? <laughs> and I am I am extremely uh, forgiving and want to say that it's all fairy tale. This is all just, you know, once we start poking holes in any fairy tale, obviously right. it's going yeah. to it's going to have troubles. I right. mean, I, if, if I can try to apologize for it a bit, I think it's also you should. good. <laughs> it's my job. Um, so I think that, I mean, if we can look at it in this way, that it's it's Bernie trying to be like, oh, don't worry, you're going to be safe because I'm going to invite you into this like public space in broad daylight. Mm -hmm. And then him being willing to go for it and being willing to stab the driver is him just being like this, like, sorry, it's in my nature moment. And then the driver being able to respond to it and like being armed (laughs) for this fight. It's just kind of like we're we're dropping everything. And it's just like the person who's willing to be like Adam, you mentioned like barbarism is 
is what this movie is all about. And like the people who are willing to do things that like most people would be horrified that they would be capable of. Well, and it connects with uh, what you were saying about crime, right? Where it's well, like, yeah, like to, up, to be an effective person in this yeah, world, up to, that's what's required. Up to and including doing the thing that seems to Crazy. us as people who are like, you know, like we're yeah. smart people who've seen a lot of crime dramas. You yeah. don't stab someone in the middle of like right. in, in a parking lot. But it happens. You know, like Bernie is willing to go there. He's willing to like right. take that risk in order to gain the upper hand. Well, I, I mean, if it had just been Bernie one nice, you know, <laughs> right. stab and then he could have fucked off, I think that he would have gotten away with that no problem. But because there was a, an ensuing struggle and then they're both having this problem or sorry, having this tussle, um, that's when it kind of gets to me being like, hey, how does nobody notice this is happening? Well, it, because it is a very kind of... Does it last that long? Like, I get the impression well, that it, it's because like, it Because like it's bouncing back and stabs, forth, I think yeah. that it takes... I don't think it's three or four stabs. I think it's... Uh, he Bern- stabs him in the stomach. Bernie stabs driver. Then driver, driver stabs, stabs him. Bernie in the neck, and right. then he like lays there for a minute because he's like, "Fuck, I just got stabbed in the stomach." And then he gets in the car and drives away. So it is just two stabs. I think it's yeah. I think it's quite quick. Okay. Mm, I thought there was like a little bit more of a struggle. Well, you see, you see, like they're like shadows descending as like you kind of yeah, figure like that, out who's going to be left standing. Right. That mm-hmm. takes like a while. And right. This is a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I th- I think as well. I mean, like Refn spoken to like I don't want to do a sequel for Drive. Because the ending is so ambiguous. Oh my that god, it would a sequel would be awful. Please it, never do yeah. that. Right, and yeah. he said that like it would suck to do a sequel because the ending is ambiguous, and we don't yeah. know what's gonna happen. We don't know if right. like he's gonna get a five star cop rating, and you know yeah. he's gonna have to find <laughs> a somewhere to repaint his car. So I think he, he dies. Get away with I it. think he dies in the car to get to go to my weird thing. You this think is, he dies in the car while he's driving away? No, I think he dies before he drives away. I think him driving away is going to heaven, basically. Oh, so like he dies from his wound. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. See, yeah. I see. I see. Mars like he survived, but like the cycle starts over again, mm. but it never. As, to me, like he never as die. well he's as the scorpion, it just did. Right? And the whole point is that the scorpion drowns too, and he's the frog. It's not. The... No, he doesn't matter. Crime Either is, way, crime he's is dead. the scorpion. <laughs> Either way, he drowns. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> well, I mean, because the 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 only time it's explicitly referenced is when he calls he calls Bernie, uh, Bernie to say, uh, "Do you ever hear the the fable? Yada yada. Your uh, Nino didn't make it across the river." So either way, right? Which I just want to say too, and I don't have anything to follow this up with, mm. is the only thing that we ever see the driver say twice are things that he's rehearsed. Yes. So like when he goes through a spiel of yes. like, five I'm going to give you side. five minutes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For him to come out with like, have you ever heard the fable of whatever? You like, know he's used it before. He's used that before. He got the damn jacket yeah, like jacket. made. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. so. with, okay, let's talk about the jacket for a second. Oh, please. Does... <laughs> Because does the jacket not seem ridiculously out of character for him? No, I think it makes perfect sense for for this kind of character that is that is again I think constructing himself off of Hollywood myth. And the notion of a guy who drives around a 1973 Chevelle uh, wearing uh, an embroidered custom jacket when again he is this guy who rehearses these lines for his yeah. criminal activities is going to think of himself as basically. Like that's his, right. that's his thing, and it's also it's like a protection blanket yeah. kind of thing, right? It's to 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 be able to believe himself capable of these things, because again, I do think, as you were saying, Caroline, that uh, that he is he's a man of passion, that he's a man that has caring and stuff, and he has no idea how to actually work that together with what is the barbarism side, right? The the hero myth side that he has inside of him and wants to live up to, in a sense. I think that 
yeah, he that's the kind of childish move, yeah. right? That that he's like, if I'm going to be this badass getaway driver who gives you his spiel, right? Which is hilariously kind of like lampooned by Cook when he's like, you seem hard to work with, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Which is, I think, a very... I think it's very telling that that even of these other characters, even these other criminals, these bit this like bit rate shitty criminal is like you're kind of a dork, dude, right? Like, yeah. so I think I, I for me it works perfectly. For I guess this character. I guess before I thought about the idea of him repeating the myth, I was just having a hard time picturing the driver going into like an embroidery shop, yeah. and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my coat. Have you seen his shoes? It's though, silver. Dude? It's true. But yeah, also, it's like, true. His kicks are also like he's a stylish motherfucker, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Also, sure. how do you get all the brains and blood out of those shoes? <laughs> like, it's got multiple pairs, like Ronald McDonald, or, uh, something. I see, yeah. <laughs> or or it never happened, or it never happened. The kiss happened. The brain stomping did not. <laughs> that's that's. Yeah, he was just, just a really just, bad kisser. Yeah, and that's exactly. Why she looked and at him like that. Inter- yeah, she got out of the elevator and was like, oh, <laughs> "Yikes! Yeah. Didn't um, see that coming." Yeah. Um, I was gonna say too that when uh, he calls Nino, being like. I just want out of this. Come and get the money. Right. And Nina's like, you're not very <laughs> you're not good very at this. Yeah, it's like, so what do your associates think of this? Right. He's like, uh, I don't have any associates. Just Did like, you tell anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and this is another reason why I think, so my 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 theory about him moving around, um, he has moved into this new place, uh, but he's been in Los Angeles for about, you know, five or six years or whatever, but he's just moved to this new place because he's done something on, on in another part of town that means that he has to leave but he wants to stay there because he's got a good gig he's a stunt driver and you can't do that anywhere else in the world except for in los angeles and then also he has never fucked with criminals on this level before like the the two-bit guys who he drives somewhere like we saw one of them yeah they're just he's used to to the dicks who don't have like a concept of subtlety to not talk about it in a public yeah exactly they're breaking into warehouses and knocking over pawn shops right exactly and the thing that he says to that guy in the diner, obviously it's intimidating and scary. But it's still really awkward. It's still really awkward and dorky, right? Yeah. Like, it's still the kind yes. of thing that if you if you weren't a complete idiot, maybe, you would kind of be like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> calm down, dude, finish your pie. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, he's an intimidating guy, but he's not, like... Yeah, s- it's the crazy eyes that sell it, right? right? It's the fact that the guy already knows that he's a capable criminal. Exactly. And it's the crazy eyes. It's yeah. not the, like... Because he literally could have ended the sentence like halfway through. It's like, why don't you yeah. shut your fucking mouth? And it's exactly, like, exactly, yeah. Oh, but fine. then he well, takes it a step further because he, he's playing this role, right? Yes, he's exactly. playing this. He's playing this guy who can. At he's any combining moment, two different threats, basically. Yeah. And the idea, like, it just and it's it starts at the very beginning where he's like, you, you get five minutes, and he doesn't use the clock on the on the nope. thing, which would be just as easy. He uses his little wristwatch, which is just exactly, which is just so much more. And he doesn't look at it on his thing on his wrist. Even his driving gloves, his old school, yeah, his old school driving gloves. This is all. This is all a costume that he has very carefully yeah. uh, put together for himself and yeah. that he might have just stolen off of a Which, movie lot. I think that this movie and in a lot of movies recently, I don't know if it's been a thing for a long time, but I mean, just the whole idea of these exceptional people being allowed to get away with shit because right. they're exceptional. Right. You know, like he is this incredibly competent driver, which we see in all the stunts that he does, but also in the fact that, and I think this is a brilliant part of it. I think one of you mentioned how, how great the movie incorporates diegetic music into non-diegetic music and like and doing all that but the radio part in the in the opening mm-hmm. when the radio voiceover is literally talking about somebody being exceptional and how it's amazing to consider in a basketball game that you could be witnessing somebody be this good at the peak of what they're doing and you're just like oh very clever radio and then it like cuts in 
and it turns out that he's just listening to find out when the game is going to yeah. be yeah. over. So he. Also, did just, you notice that they're playing Toronto? Yes. I did. Yeah. 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 I saw it only on the TV in the first place, and I was like, yeah. yes. Because yeah. he's from London. I probably, actually. I, I bet you're no, right. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, right. I'm sure that, I'm yeah, sure that at some point they were that. like, hey, I'm going to make him what, what, versus the Raptors because yeah. that's kind of your hometown. Good yeah. call. Good call. Yeah. To branch off um, uh, the points we've been making about this aestheticization, that the fact that the driver clearly thinks about this stuff, that he did go into that shot and be like, okay, so I want a white jacket with a gold scorpion. He's going to be, you know, like, that this this was all this was. All I like this jacket, it. but it doesn't look quite enough like a quilt. You got something, <laughs> you got something more in my style. great effect. But, like, so earlier I mentioned um, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, um, and I think... Again, that that sort of aestheticization of of the the kind of bad boy, the sensitive masculine hero, right? Um, uh, that was that's very much what he's drawing from, I would say. Uh, um, and apparently, the they they decide Refn and and uh, Gosling decided on the scorpion as his symbol because Scorpio Rising is the first film that Refn showed mm. Gosling. And Scorpio Rising is a it's about a half hour. It's a it's a short film by a guy named Kenneth Anger. Uh, and if you That's don't, a great name. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know Kenneth Anger, you should check him out. Um, be, the actual name, or I believe it's a no. It's a, it's a name he made. He made Anger is not his actual last name, right. Right. but he was like it's perfect, and yeah. he's right. So, uh, uh, but yeah. So he's a he's um uh I guess in the the parlance he's he's like an experimental film director so he's noteworthy because he's one of the first american filmmakers to make and release at least in small uh contexts um explicitly homoerotic uh film um and his the first one that he's really known for was fireworks which came out in the 40s i think yeah it came out in the 40s and he filmed it when his parents were away, basically. Um, and it is about, it is a weird sort of like, it's like 15 minutes. Uh, don't don't watch it without knowing what you're getting into. Uh, it's, it is about Kenneth Anger playing uh, a young man who wakes up um, and goes out, tries to pick up a sailor, and a bunch of sailors uh, brutally... Uh, rape and murder him. Whoa! Uh, and like disembowel him. Whoa! And it's like very graphic and weird and strange. Um, uh, and the whole thing is very dreamlike. And then it ends with basically him waking up, and he's woken up. He's waking up with the, a sailor, with the sailor. Um, so oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Kenneth Anger, great. Uh, 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 really great stuff. Scorpio Rising was a was a much later film, and it was part of a whole like series of films. There was like Lucifer Rising and yada yada yada. Scorpio Rising, I think, was the first one that was kind of of this thing. Um, and Anger's style uh, is he practically made music videos, basically. So uh, Scorpio Rising is like, I don't know, it's probably about, I don't know, it's, it's several pop songs from, from the 60s. Uh, and the first, I would say, half are just these pop songs overlaid with uh, dudes maintaining cars. Um, uh, handsome sort of Jimmy Dean looking boys polishing parts and fixing stuff looking exactly like Gosling does in Drive when he's in his apartment except the lighting is fucking better <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so uh, 
and it's these these images are inter, uh, interspersed with uh, pictures of posters and television of Marlon Brando and and James Dean and stuff. So it immediately starts giving you this sort of imagery, and I'll, there's a ton of phallic imagery, which also Drive is completely loaded with phallic imagery. Particularly, I mean, I think the most telling one is actually the one that you. Uh, sent us uh, where he's clutching the hammer by his side and he's as he's on the phone to Nino uh, that's a dick that's just straight up look at the angle of that that is just straight up him holding his dick his angry cock <laughs> um, also and... wait I just want to point out two other dicks uh, when he uh, pulls down the shower rod and breaks it off somehow like that's an amazing yep. feat to do yep. and, and shoves it right in that guy's throat yes and then turns around and shoots from the hip with his shotgun yep. which is also a big dick yep oh yeah the way he fondles the bullet like there's a ton of phallic imagery and and for the first movie that Refn and Gosling watched together being Scorpio Rising I cannot imagine it is it is not intentional um, so so Scorpio Rising starts with working through that kind of imagery, right? Connecting hero worship, the the changing of the masculine image. And of course, Kenneth Anger is working at it from a very homoerotic perspective. Um, and then it starts getting crazy because you introduce <laughs> this character, Scorpio, um, who... Uh, has an embroidered like the beginning. The beginning of the film actually is like an embroidered leather jacket that's a Scorpio rising on the back, uh, and it has that like shot of the scorpion. Um, and so it starts getting really interesting. Where again, it's just basically music video, right? Where it's pop music overlaid with a bunch of like really competing imagery, and uh, it turns into <laughs> basically you see these kinds of you know these greaser type fellows, uh, and it's being interspersed with first imagery of Jesus. Uh, and his disciples, uh, and you get a lot of that. So you get a lot of imagery of, oh, look at this guy. He's so you know, he, purity, innocence, right? All this stuff, and and sanctity, and the kind of like hero, sacrificial. There's a lot of like all of this stuff gets thrown in, and then it starts getting interspersed with Hitler, and it's Whoa. and and he's he's then com- he, so he's compared to Jesus and Hitler right after one another, <laughs> um, and he. He, you see that you get these shots of him rabble rousing inside of what appears to be like a darkened church, and there's a lot of occult. Like seriously, Caroline, you got to watch kind of things. Yeah, stuff. I guess you'll, so. You'll be all up on it. Thank you. Um, uh, but uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, much less. So <laughs> just imagine like Jesus flips a table in front of the camera, and then when it flips over, it's, then it's like Hitler at a rally <laughs> That's or something. Practically what it's going for. Jeez. Um, uh, so it's well, so, so, all right. Sorry. <laughs> So it's um uh yeah so I mean Kenneth Anger is is working with the that with that kind of imagery and I think uh, as I said with the whole halo effect in Drive I th- and and as as I, I think I said earlier where uh he only becomes a real human being when what I think is at the very least whether or not you think he dies at the end it is as a symbolic death um right where the relationship is over so the best thing he can do for this woman is literally get the fuck out of her life so sacrifice himself right he's a christ figure essentially in this movie the 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 haloing all this stuff i think that kind of imagery is absolutely being worked with the difference is that kenneth anger has the guts i guess to then try to work that kind of stuff out with Nazism mm. uh, and and its racialized component of whiteness for these kinds of figures. So that that gestures to a whole bunch of weird feelings I have about both of those movies. But I uh, none of them are solid enough for me to say anything more. So, so all I will say is just watch Scorpio Rising. <laughs> I really I really like that because I actually and this is why I specifically said that I I'm not saying that he's been in love with 
women beforehand. Like, right. I, I really do read the driver as a queer character because I think that he's just ambiguous enough specifically sure. to be ambiguous in every sort of way. Yeah, and as you said, it's more about his infatuation with the family. The family, exactly, yeah. Um, and th- and that's one of the things I love so much about it is even the even the 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 looks that they give each other. That's the important part. They're giving them to each other. He is not he is not fetishizing her. Right. Um. And and almost like cleaning the bras up is kind of like highlighting that. You know what I mean? Like this is not a sexual look. Like these are they're my favorite part is when they're in in the um. It's just after they go for the drive in the canals. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like is giggling while he's looking at her. Like it's just so sweet and so cute. But I'm interested to hear, and and this is why I'm reading him as a, a queer coded masculine figure. Well, that's that's very much like again the 1950s. The the queer readings of of Rebel Without a Cause and like, are are prolific. <laughs> that and also you you talked about Marlon Brando, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. you you look back at Marlon Brando movies knowing that he's bisexual, yep. and and they it look changes oh the yes character of it. oh yeah. yes absolutely really. Marlon Brando was bisexual. I, this is news to me. Yeah, you should yep. go watch um, Streetcar Named Desire now. <laughs> I think all of that is at play here. I, Definitely. I, I think I think all of that is at play here. For uh, sure. I think the 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 weakness here is that it's. It's not willing to be almost as messy. Oh, definitely. <laughs> as <it could> be. <laughs> okay, so but I have a question for you about the Christ figure mm. about this. So I totally get what you mean, where he's making a sacrifice to so that she can, she may live. Right. He is basic. He is dying so she may live. That's right. exactly the the Christ allegory here. Yeah. But in Christ allegories, we also need to think about him being a scapegoat. And I'm not 100% sure if he is exactly a, a scapegoat. Well, I think you can read... Again, I, I think Scorpio Rising helps me answer that in the sense that Scorpio Rising, in trying to work out these sorts of things of, here's a picture of Marlon Brando, here's a picture of James Dean, here's a picture of Jesus Christ, here's a picture of Adolf Hitler, right? Um, talking about that myth making. Just wait, a picture of Jesus Christ, like a photo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a dated signed photograph of, of Mr. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I think that, uh, uh, that that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the construction of hero myth. So scapegoating, I mean, Hollywood is literally the modern day scapegoating. It's why we are obsessed with celebrities and we are more obsessed with their train wrecks than with their successes Mm -hmm. uh um so i think i think that that's that's where that gets worked out i don't think that it necessarily works in terms of like there being a scapegoat like he's the one who's dying so that you don't have to but i think that there's a whole forgiveness and a whole um fresh start kind of bent to it because as we've previously seen anybody who gets in any way involved with this criminal life it's a death sentence. Some that's what way. I mean. And that's that's why I'm saying that. So he sacrifices himself yeah. so that Carrie Mulligan's, sorry, so that Irene and Benicio are completely clean. Right, right. exactly. Because he's not just, he's not just like putting himself into a dangerous, he, like he's cleaning house right. of that entire criminal organization. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I, I just wanted to kind of push it further and understand because, because in most kind of Christ allegories, there's maybe a more clear cut idea that he is now he is a savior and then that that is a good pure thing whereas this is almost like he's just removed this is like i read this more as like judas hanging himself afterwards do you know what i mean where mm. it's like like i am ashamed and i need to remove myself from but what judas is, clearly... is a hero the driver is a hero but okay that's what i guess that's what i'm that's what i'm contesting here is that like right. it's not like the fact that we're 
constantly a real human being, a yes. real hero, yes. a real human yes. being, and yeah. a real hero. Yeah. I think that that's meant to for us to actually ask, like, hmm, this is an anti-hero at best. Do you know what I mean? Well, and, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why that's why I'm th- thinking that like we can't just say like straight clear cut this is a Christ allegory. I think no, this sure. is an anti-Christ allegory. This absolutely. is like this is following the same path yeah. for different reasons. Yeah, in the same sense that like the film as is an indulgence and and an aestheticization of the exact same things that the the Hollywood archetype myth does. Right. Um and especially yet, mafia movies which are sure. always yeah. always steeped in Catholic yeah. um stories yeah. and and the fact that the the East Coast mob is trying to make a play, I guess, on the West Coast. Right. That this is the this Catholic There's imagery. There's a level of politics going on, yeah. Yeah, and and also like that can be read as this, this Catholic imagery is trying to move into this turf, and that's specifically made evident when he's talking about the fact that he is called a racial, uh, sorry, a, a, a anti-Semitic slur, right? right? Yes. So I think we are supposed to think about this for sure. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a little more complex, and I'm not saying that you were saying it's cut and dried, but I just think that. By just saying like he's a Christ figure is like a little. It needs to be a little more. It's pretty easy. Than you that. can say that about pretty much anyone. Where somebody dies in a movie, <laughs> right? Exactly, and that and that's what I try to get away from because we right. can we can make it much more complicated. Especially because there are parts like in the Christ allegory that definitely do not mix with this. Because, for instance, one would try and point out kind of like Christ in the garden, wondering why he's doing this, right? And you know, pleading with God to think or to, to get him out of this. Mm. And that doesn't happen in Drive. It, it gets, he, it escalates more and more, right? He he, he never has that moment in the garden. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. these Instead are Instead he's macking dames yeah, in an elevator. Right, exactly. He's macking them. Um, he has, he's much more, if he's, if he is Christ, he's much more Christ upending the tables in the, in the money, lend- yeah. the money lenders, right? right. So, yeah. but, and so I think that if we have to like pick and choose those types of things, it's not like a clear cut. Yeah. yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it's like the straight allegory. I think it's uh, what I meant to like the sacrificial thing is, is, a, gi- sure. is a gimme, yeah. but, uh, um, uh, in trying to connect this to Scorpio rising, I'm trying to say that it is more about the image of the Christ allegory, the image of the Christ figure alongside the image of the masculine violent hollywood hero the oh, image oh i see what of, you're saying okay. yeah so yeah. you're saying that like, like, like if, cherry picking imagery to like sue the narrative that he wants to build for himself well, you're, you're think like it's 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 showing specific examples of masculinity where if christ is the masculine that is more james dean in um uh sorry rebel, rebel without, without a cause, cause. Yep. who who is who is sensitive and and you know more um uh, I guess emotional, <laughs> effeminate um, by by, yeah, the, by effeminate. the terms of the day, effeminate. Exactly, who's more effeminate, and then Hitler would be the opposite of that. Is that that's what you're getting at? More right. okay, I understand. Yeah, because so, I just didn't understand why why Hitler. I'm not saying and, it's in the logic of the driver. I'm right, saying it's no, the logic I get that. of the film, essentially yes, by yeah. trying to say, yeah, that that the the Hollywood archetype, violent archetype, is an archetype not dissimilar from yeah. A, a Christ archetype. Uh, I totally get this now. Yeah, no, and then so I, I kind of go back, and then so he is, he is both. He, he so when he's when he's the sensitive driver, we're reading him as an effeminate Christ-like figure, and then when he's the Christ or when he's the driver who is flipping the tables of the moneylenders, he's not actually that. He's something more akin to Hitler. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? yeah, okay. Sure, yeah. So it's not two different types of Christ. It's actually like embodied different archetypes of. <laughs> Well, he's literally killing Jews. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He is. Lord. He does literally kill. I yeah. was not expecting it to do well. I mean, you know, mm. 
Well He's done. also got kind of like an Italian sort of accent. He has a bizarre. But that's, the, that's, this is that goes back to that goes back to Brigger High, though. He talks Gosling like that. does do that weird yeah. accent. Yeah. He talks like that in Brigger High. Yeah, it's it's certainly not appropriate, <laughs> um, uh, typically. Which so. is another good reason why. He, I mean, another good thing that he doesn't have very many lines in the movie because yeah. it does kind of take you out it, of it, it a bit. could also be that though i mean you've said like this guy grew up on hollywood so like maybe he watched taxi driver too many Absolutely. times so he's just like doing a de niro yeah yeah, yeah. or oh, yeah sure. or yeah. like a gangster basically yeah. yeah but no he does talk like that in bricker high that's it's it's the, it's, it's, the a, accent. it's a gosling it's the thing accent he goes to yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it is yeah um speaking about that when shannon is uh asking him all these questions and he he's like just stop <laughs> stop i love that i love when you finally see it's like one question yeah where he's like it's like you two know each other stop <laughs> yeah no and that, that there's that part but actually i meant about the like uh when he's like what'd you do with, like what happened in the money he's right like, stop don't like yeah, yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I know where you're going yeah, yeah. let's let's nip well this yeah we constantly get these things where he's he's used to presaging what he's gonna say yeah. like when he when he like points the finger to him saying yeah. and we'll split that 500 of course <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah and shannon is just such that you know that smarmy no good you know like he is yeah. he he was destined to die before the movie started yeah. right like this, he's not he's but not he, the leading man that that character wasn't like in the original draft though he wasn't supposed to die in the original draft he's the one who ends up taking care of benicio at the end and irene, really and irene dies what yeah really what do you yeah. mean okay so is that what happens so like, so, like, so like i think it's uh i think it's nino ends up like killing irene to like get back at the driver and then, hmm. and then, uh, Shane. is this the book or is this yeah, like is one the of book? the early screenplays? This is the, the first draft of the screenplay. See. Is wow. that, do you know if that's also what happens in the book? I have no idea. Okay, because that is a drastically different film, right? <laughs> oh, it's a dra- like, and again, this is the thing. You can um, the follow up film to to uh, the 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 film that Revan did after this is Only God Forgives, which also stars Ryan Gosling, um, and I think is an even more explicit attempt at playing with the the white. Hall. I, I think I think it, atta- it it approaches the racial dynamic that is missing from Drive. Um, but uh, uh, why why did I bring this up though? It was directly related to what you were just uh, saying. Irene died in this one. Oh right, yeah. Just in that like the original treatment of that screenplay. You can you can pull that up. You can actually pull up the first screenplay. And it is nothing like that movie. So like his process here of working with these actors and filming these things because he also tries to film them chron- chronologically as much as he can, which is fucking insane by hollywood standards because it costs an incredible amount of goddamn money uh uh so he's he's constantly trying to like build these things and i think it it works to his benefit absolutely because if, if he would end up doing these treatments that he starts with those are bad movies yeah <laughs> i mean like bad films like kudos i guess to him to ha- not have the ego to to you know to not be able to collaborate on things but it doesn't it still doesn't make me respect him anymore like it just <laughs> makes me think like okay this was ryan gosling's movie you know what i mean like this yeah. is a movie that was well, a collaboration Gosling's movie, Lost River. All right. Oh yeah. I think it's we talked good. about it before. About that. It is yeah. good. Yeah, it is good. And very much before. you can tell that he's he he learned from Reffin's aestheticization yeah. at the very There's least. A, yeah. yeah. It's pretty interesting to read the IMDb trivia on this because like when it came to the casting, here's what Gosling thought, and you're like, What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> Just one little thing with Shannon mm. is I felt so like what won me over with him is him having to play nice with Nino even though Nino broke yeah. his pelvis. Yes. Like, just, like, the, the, the shit that he has to eat on a daily basis yeah. in order to, like, keep his job and keep his garage going and everything yeah. to, like, play nice with Nino. Yeah. This well, little, you know, it is interesting, though, detail. too, because, like, you, you know, your reading of him as this kind of, like, 
skeevy sort of dude right where he's like he's constantly sort of like wanting to reach to higher things he's like you know how much you know how much the garage made last year 30 grand and it's like yeah but how did how much did you make from like the cut of the job that we just saw pulled at the beginning of this movie right how much like so he's obviously and kind of late he's, he's probably a gambler kind of thing you yeah get and that you take 50 percent of, of the cut that um the driver makes as a stunt as a stunt guy yeah. of the extra that he makes from the incredibly dangerous stunt that <laughs> yeah, an extra 500 dollars came at, came at to no, roll a car came at no extra risk to you but you're taking <laughs> yeah. half of that <laughs> yeah yeah a dirtbag yeah. i love him yeah, he's an interesting character because, again, he is sort of like one of the, I don't know, he's certainly a positive kind of like presence in the film, and I would say, almost in a way, because he's the one who basically like nudges the two of them together. Well, and He's, he's great. the one who he's... takes like that distant flirting and being like, you two are interested in each other, huh? Stop it. Drive, you're going to drive her home, right? Like that's <laughs> He's that's playing him. matchmaker and yeah. like playing cute with Irene and being like this kindly old father yeah. figure. Oh, he, yeah. he's oh, he's a magician. This guy, he's amazing, right? Talking and about you him. can also manipulate him into whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing is that he's he's so clear and and honest about his exploitation of the driver. It's very interesting. Yeah, he Where doesn't... it's got, like he's honest about it, but he's like, "Am I joking? Am I not?" <laughs> yeah. Hey. yeah. But he's also just not very bright. Like he literally leaves the garage door open when yeah. uh or unlocked and he knows right away when when Bernie's there that he's going to die, yeah, right? Like it, unless he's much. extremely stupid, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I I thought I might, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. He invites that in. I love, I love when. Uh, well, I don't love it, but when he when he slices his wrist and he's like, "Shh, it's it's okay. It's no pain, no pain." I want to be like, mm. <laughs> like ask him maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but like, like when I when I broke my leg, like I was not in any pain at all. Yeah. Shut up, was, really? I thought you oh, said yeah. that it was excruciating. No, it was excruciating when After. I started walking on it again. Yeah. Like when I started putting weight That's back That's the great thing it. about huge amount of trauma to the body. Mm, having broken my collarbone and dislocated my shoulder, I must disagree with both yeah. of you. But, but that those, was quite well, a lot I'm just, of pain. I'm only speaking Those aren't injuries that, that put your body into organ trauma and organ shock, whereas like having a guy slit straight into your fucking like, artery, that's a yeah. different kind of thing. But like a collarbone, yeah, like your body is telling you like, change this shit right the fuck now right but then but dylan said that he wasn't in any pain i mean clearly uh the way that he killed shannon was more merciful than the way that he killed certainly yeah what's his face yes taps him in the eye first to get his to get his uh attention apparently yeah Yeah. and i mean at at that point is that comforting really for shannon or like is he like feeding him a story of like it's okay don't worry about it or is he doing it for himself to be like listen like this is somebody you didn't want to kill but don't worry he's not in very much pain uh i would say it's both because having watched mafia movies i do know that shannon is probably smart enough to understand that um and a lot of like mafia characters if if they are about to die and they realize that the way that they've been chosen to be killed is more merciful they are happy about that do you know what i mean like shannon is probably smart enough to be like hey i got a pretty good deal and shannon knew this was coming right like he knew i mean he didn't he didn't exactly rush out of there right like he was he was taking his time it was kind of up in the air whether or not he wanted to live um and i think that he probably was i think it was a kind of a ethic code of ethics that look i am doing this the nicest way possible and i'm telling you make it easy on me yeah Yeah, like i I, like as i was watching it i was like i don't remember how this goes like does he like give him a gun and let him like take himself out and like right like do like try to be as merciful as possible and then i was like oh yeah he like you know he he used his nice silverware on him and (laughs) yeah what he clearly takes care of and collections of Various switchblades and <laughs> what was, straight, a, was a straight, yeah, it was a shaving kit, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. straight razor, yeah, or at least the the one that he uses on Shannon. But he does have other some of yeah, many knives, yeah, yes. Yep. 
Um, well, I imagine that one of the other knives is the one that he, he uses on the driver at the end. One of the more yeah. one mm-hmm. of the more conventional stabbies. Okay, one of the things that I hate about immediately after that is he goes to wash the knife at the sink and the, the way that the tap is uh, swung, because you can swing the tap from one sink to the other, the way the tap is swung, it's directly over the separation of the two sinks so the water is like going what on the separation <laughs> yeah. and I'm like this is the worst way to do this <laughs> just uh, not, to mention, he, not to mention he doesn't scrub it at all he just like applies soap I know yeah and then lets well, the water pretty, run off I'm of it I'm pretty sure if the cops come up they're gonna be like who's supposed blood in the sink I mean they're gonna be like that's disgusting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's that good. let's start wrapping this up so Absolutely. same way as always uh, before actually uh, recently uh, Netflix, yeah. Netflix said that I'm apparently so glad about they're going to be changing the rating system. So they haven't yet, but apparently we're going to be moving away from five stars. We're it's just going to be just going like to a plus minus. Right. Uh, apparently, the reason being because uh, people rate based on you know perception and how they feel, but it doesn't necessarily directly correlate to their viewing habits. So it's just like, would I watch more I'm stuff sure like that or no? Two is that like the statistics of those kinds of things. It's always people go like one or five that's exactly that's exactly what i said that i'm really glad about this because if i like the movie i'm like mm, five i guess like yeah. i and if i hate it i'm one right like yeah. there's no nothing oh in i take that shit seriously but I, I, I know you do i guess it was also I, I guess it was also a not attendance but like an involvement thing that like when given the option between a five-star rating system and a plus like up or down more people participated in the up or down so you get oh, yeah. more yeah, you more data from a, yeah, from oh, a yeah. coin flip yeah yeah, yeah totally um, so until they make that switch, so I'm going to wrap this up the same way we always do. So give the movie a rating out of five stars, no half stars. So one star means you hated it. Two stars means you didn't like it. Three stars means you liked it. Four stars means really liked it. And five stars means you loved it. And then your MVP for the movie. So we'll do guess first, Adam. Um, I'll give it four, putting it above a three for like Johnny Jules. Music supervision, Cliff Martinez's score, and just—I mean, audiovisual alone is is something that that puts it head and shoulders above a lot of movies for me. But that's because I'm a sucker for that kind of aesthetic. So I'd give it four, and then my MVP—I don't know. Seems like every answer is an easy one here. So, um, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna just say Gosling. Then it's here we go. Well deserved. There yeah. he is. Holds the shit together. He do. He right. do. Caroline. Well, I'm going to give this five stars, and this is maybe the only one that I've ever done that is a true five star because this is one of my favorite <laughs> movies that is on my letterbox as one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love everything about it. It it spoke to me. It it was all my favorite things. It ticked all my all the boxes that I wanted it to tick. Um, yeah, and it's I I find that it's infinitely rewatchable, which it, it might not seem to be when it you is, first see it, it really because is. it's quite a simple story. Uh, but it's really beautifully done. So compared to like, you know, we talked last time about Pulp Fiction and we briefly touched today on John Wick. I mean, does this have more depth for you than like a pulp fun movie or is this a fun movie for you? Oh, no, this definitely has more depth. OK. For me. I wouldn't say that this is a fun movie at all, actually. <laughs> like, sure. But I mean, it's like a uh, anyway. Sorry. No, yeah. this is not. This is definitely it has way more depth. And I mean, part of that is the idea that every single death in this movie is shocking and you know in in john wick the number of deaths the number of shots that go off you yes. start not caring about them There's anymore no impact to the violence yeah, after exactly. a while it just becomes aestheticization 
Yeah, exactly. And this couldn't be more opposite. Like Absolutely. this is every I mean, even like when when um standard is shot, like it's brutal. That was and, and I loved how the driver gets out of the car it's, as yeah. if he's going to do something. Which is really rare, actually. Yeah. Typically, when he's in the car for these scenes, he rarely actually well, gets it's, out. It's yeah. one of his rules, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not involved. I'm not going to go in with yeah. you. Right. I stay in the car. Which, yeah. which is, like, so indicative of how much he loves this family. And mm-hmm. when and when he when he is holding um, Blanche's face down and he says... What he's angry about is he says, you just got a little boy's father killed. Yes. And and I believe him. Like, he is not upset about anything else except for that. He does not care. He is, he doesn't, he does not strike me as a person who cares if he lives or dies. This is not a, a thing. He would not take these ridiculous pawn shop or what is it? A storage facility, like, heist oh, it's a, just, it's a B-rate, bit No, no, rate but the, the beginning, the beginning. Doing oh, the bit beginning, heists. Yeah, bitrate heist, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who does not have a lot of, you know, tie to the mortal coil. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would say that this is, uh, it has, a, has much more depth. I would not ever be able to, like, I'm very entertained by movies like John Wick and Pulp Fiction, obviously, but I would never be able to have, I mean, Pulp Fiction and John Wick are not comparable either, I don't think, but I'm, I'm very entertained by a movie like John Wick, but I would never be able to have, like, a, a, a depth to character. Not like a Desert Island does. movie type thing. It is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or it's not, yeah. Uh, uh, Drive is a Desert Island, yeah. Island movie for me, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Infinitely rewatchable. Cool. And how about your MVP? So, I mean, Gosling obviously is my MVP, but also I would just really want to point out how good of an actor... And I know I've gone on record saying that, like, I'm not impressed by child actors because every child is an actor. And then the only time that you, like... <laughs> I've never said that way before. <laughs> yeah, because good. every child is going to be really good at acting until something happens that makes it so that they're not anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, every kid can act because that's just playing pretend. But I think the kid who plays Benicio is really good in this. He, he sells it on a level that is kind of almost... It's not nearly as saccharine as Jerry Maguire, but, like, you get the the feeling that the driver falls in love with the kid. Yeah, you get a sense of an actual interpersonal relationships with yeah. the child. That's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. Really and I think point. I think him not being like capital C cute is part of that. That it's mm-hmm. just like he's a kid being a kid. He's not it's not being played up to tug at our heartstrings, but we believe that it's tugging at the drivers. He's not cute in a gimmicky way, right? Mm, like sure, yeah. where like if I'm comparing it to um Jerry Maguire, clearly cute in a gimmicky way, right? And even just while I was just rewatching a couple scenes before I, I got here and um when they arrive and he, you know, goes and puts on that mask. <laughs> and that was another the first time I watched it, it was another time where I was like, Oh, he's gonna like he's gonna be a dick to you, right? Like the, he's not gonna tolerate this. But he wasn't. He was really nice and he offered him the toothpick, which is another thing that is indicative of someone who has had um experience with experience kids. with kids because yeah. he treats him as a human being he yes. doesn't treat him as a child right or as a like a, a not a nuisance and then i i thought it was really interesting that while they're having this conversation this lovely little boy is just there coloring you know what i mean yeah and i've been around enough kids where like that is great that he's doing that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's a, a an interesting stranger in the house and he's not running around crazy or like trying to show him everything he has he just shows him that mask or whatever mm. anyway this kid is like super sweet and super wonderful and i think it's really well he acted. really he really grounds those scenes too as you say right like yeah. having him coloring the way he interacts with the driver it's very very different from the literally wordless romance we have between these two figures yeah. just staring oh, at and each oh other. god like the, the 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 picture of him hiding behind the pillar in the parking garage yes. after his dad gets the shit kicked yeah. out of him. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's what... Um, so and, and his quietness when he's cradling the bullet. I think, yeah. the guy I think that the toothpick thing is interesting, too, because... Like, it's phallic? 
<laughs> when we start talking about putting things in kids' mouth, I don't want to start talking about phallic too much. But like, uh, like the the idea of like chomping on a toothpick, mm. like that's not a practical thing. That's a performative thing, right? Absolutely. And that's the driver recognizing how cool he looks and being like, "Hey, yep. kid, you, you want to be cool too?" Yeah. So that yeah. I think that shows, you know, exactly. supports your idea yeah. that like this is a really can, constructive absolutely. persona. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, and also he doesn't smoke. Remember at the beginning, Shannon offers him a smoke. And he's like, "Oh, right, you don't smoke," but he does always have something in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was just going to say that the Benicio like coloring really quietly and just all in all being a wonderful kid, I think is also supposed to reflect on standard. Not mm. not only because that he was probably a good dad before he got locked up, but that he is not, let's say, like this kid does not have fetal alcohol syndrome or something like that. You know what I mean? Like this this kid is healthy. This kid is well-adjusted, more well-adjusted than a lot of however year olds I know. anyone else in the movie, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think that these are all supposed to be... And and so this is why it kind of cut me to the quick when you said that, is it maybe a domestic violence thing? Like, I think we are not supposed to read that at all. I think that this is a nice, happy family that just has the the, the problem that is inescapable that you were getting at, which for another podcast, we could read into being a commentary on uh, the state of uh, brown and black people in Los Angeles and what they have to put up with. Because in my mind, what... Uh, standard got locked up for was like some bullshit like amount of marijuana on a routine traffic stop or something you know what i mean well, like the whole he... reason he has to do this other job is because of the protection he paid in prison right right which right. is a pretty damning no, and realistic I'd... thing <laughs> yeah exactly which means that he was not like yeah. associated with anybody with of any clout in prison or anything like that right, right. i guess i kind of assumed that he knew who to ask for for protection because he already oh, knew no. these people before This is going the way in. prison works. Yeah, yeah, you get that brochure the day you arrive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, like uh, targets basically are offered these kinds of deals because that's it's it's uh, one way that yeah, recidivism and all this stuff happens. It's it's how people end up in these kinds of things. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think I mean other than the fact that I really dislike that um Irene's character was whitewashed. I'm extremely glad that the rest of the family was not because I think there's a lot to be said about um, Benicio and the type of child that he is as a result of these parents. And she was 18 when she had him, right? Like, she's very young now still, however old Benicio is. Um, So there's a lot of, there's a lot that is behind, working behind the scenes, or sorry, not behind the scenes. It's just like, it's between the lines that if you're not paying attention, if you haven't watched it 60 times, Hmm. you might not, see and you might not see these layers to these characters that give it that depth that John Wick doesn't have or that other movies don't have. Totally. That's very much reference style, right? Is that he wants to impart a bunch of things in what is not said and what is shown to you by audio and visual cue whereas John Wick is a movie where it's like you want to do you want to know how you know these guys are all assassins because the assassin hotel guy is literally going to fucking lay it out for you kind of thing also right? like do you know who you just uh, whose dog you just killed <laughs> yeah. let me tell you let, yeah. let, let me, me uh, give you in a whole character study let, let me do exposition for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And anyway Beyond Greyjoy will nod along and say something in a, the worst Russian accent oh my god so bad it is so unbelievably bad. Yeah. So yeah, so if because Gosling has already been taken, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, say that I'm Take really impressed with Benicio, yeah. We're gonna have to look him up. Yeah. 
Say Actually, I, I did look him up on IMDb, and yeah? there's he doesn't have a picture or anything, so I don't think that he's uh, done done a whole heck of a lot of <laughs> IMDb equivalent of an egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, I want to say too that like everybody's really good in this movie. Um, yes, there isn't a there isn't someone that There's stands out to me as being yeah. yeah weak. Yeah. Cool for me. Um, I'll say uh, Netflix five Letterbox four uh, because I would say that I I love the movie, but I don't necessarily put it in like my upper echelons of like the best things I've right. ever seen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. using like Netflix's verbiage, I love it. Um, and it was it was really validating to watch it again and be like, oh, okay, I'm not just being like a poser <laughs> it douche. Is good. By yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for my MVP, uh, it, for me, it's Albert Brooks mm-hmm. um, because I That's think that Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. So I the movie to get that in there the, at some point. The movie definitely lives and dies by Ryan Gosling, but Albert Brooks is more of a, a revelation for me, especially knowing him from like he's a comedian, silly he's a comedy actor. Yeah, s- you know, silly characters from the simpsons and then from finding nemo right like that's a voice that i recognize so to see it attached to a face to be able to like do this really cool balance of like barbarism and ferocity but also like being really inconvenienced by like the bullshit right. that he has he to put really up gets with across the like whole like illegitimate businessman thing you know what i mean like this is like the this is the mafia character who is more interested in actually trying to make this look like it's above the board, but he will get mm. his hands dirty when he needs to. Mm, right. Yeah, and he, I mean, a, not to the same degree, but I mean, if if we see this movie as like a battle of competence, the driver in his driving versus Bernie Rose in his competence at crime, then, I mean, he, he fills that role pretty well. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end, he's supposed to not come out. I, I think you're right. He's I think, not, he's like not I said there. earlier, like, well, when we began, I think I think that Bernie Rose and the driver are explicitly connected in this movie as figures. Right. I think that they are equalized in a lot of ways. And I think their competence has a lot to do with that. Neither one of them, you know, the whole thing about uh, Bernie saying like, OK, well, now you get to clean up my mess. Right. This movie is about these two guys getting into a war, essentially, over cleaning up other people's messes. Yeah, I do think that though. I I think I don't know if they're equalized, just because even in that that scene that you're talking about where they shake hands, um, the driver is physically below him. Yes, and yeah. I think that yeah. I think that we're meant to think like this. They they are both very competent, and I don't think that um, Bernie has had to deal with someone who is this competent ever. But that Bernie's um, wisdom and experience are going to trump the driver in the end. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Right. Just to bring it way back and to possibly start the conversation all over again. But I do think that the uh, there was a moment that I think, Adam, you brought up when he says, like, oh, my hands are dirty too. Yeah. I think that was him, like, intentionally being like, oh, no, I recognize what this Bernie guy is all about. Yeah. And I just, I want to, like, here's my excuse for not shaking your hand. But, Absolutely. But I'm, I'm putting on a show that I don't want to shake your hand. Yes. Right, yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. then that's him saying, no, you don't get away with that yeah, I yeah. am going to say yeah. no you do not get to disrespect me I am shaking your yeah, hand yeah. yeah because I'm dirty too right exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right on alright fantastic thank you so much for, for doing this uh, Adam is there anything that you want to plug no. or no. tell people about no thank you no okay don't right ever on. talk to me uh, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline how about you um, sure so if you wanted to follow up on any of this uh, drive squeeing that I love to do so much I'm on Twitter at Deezen, D-I-E-Z-Y-N, and I'm also on uh, Letterboxd at uh, D-I-E-Z-Y-N, so you can find me in both of those places. Thank you so much for the both of you for coming on and giving me an excuse to watch this movie again. It's Thank been a you. lot of fun. Thank you, Dylan. All right, that was a lot of fun having that conversation with Caroline and Adam. 
to send you on your way. I want to let you know about all the different things that you can find over at our blog at netflixblog.wordpress.com. If you find the post about this episode, you're going to find all sorts of links and notes and further reading. Uh, So some ideas about what you can find there. Uh, We've got a link to the recent article that we did of the 10 best Ryan Gosling movies. Drive obviously appeared, although it didn't quite make it to the top. It's sitting at number three, so be sure to check that out to see what ended up in the number two and number one spots. We've also linked off to four other podcast episodes of ours that that we mentioned over the course of this conversation. That's the episodes on Ex Machina, Holy Motors, Punch Drunk Love, and The Skin I Live In. Again, you can find links for all of those at the netflixblog.wordpress.com. Some other interesting links that we've included are the Letterboxd review, where John Wick is described as floating ruggedly. So if you want to check that out and see if you hated it anywhere near as much as Caroline did, you can find it there. We've also got the trailer for Drive that led to the lawsuit that I mentioned, as well as notes for the appeal for the trailer lawsuit. Uh, As it turns out, the lawsuit was pretty much thrown out right away. Uh, Not only did the plaintiff in question say that the movie uh, failed to exist as advertised. Uh, She was really expecting a Fast and Furious type movie and instead got Drive. Uh, So not only was that thrown out for being, one, silly, and two, the trailer containing exclusively footage from the movie. The other thing that she took umbrage with was that she found the movie to be anti-semitic because all of the bad guys in the movie or at least the main bad guys are jewish so if you want to see more or read more about that you can find that link uh, to see exactly why that case ended up going the way that it did we've also linked off to uh, a clip of the first half of the breaker high episode that we discussed where ryan gosling in his thick new york style accent goes to Canada, where he learns that he's not very good at hockey. The episode is called He Shoots, He Scores. Uh, At the very least, you need to check that out to hear the amazing theme song if you haven't ever heard the song to Breaker High. And I want to give a shout out to a new friend of the Netflix podcast at the Get Real podcast. They recently did an interview with Drive screenwriter Hossein Amini. So if you want to hear some more about Drive, be sure to check out that interview. And about halfway through that is when they start talking about the process behind creating Drive and uh, who lived with whom, and who exactly was behind the wheel of that. So thanks to Get Real for putting that interview together, and I hope that you check that one out. And lastly, as far as links, uh, pretty much all of the media that we discussed, we have included links either on Netflix or to purchase on Amazon. We're talking about Daredevil, Inherent Vice, iZombie, John Wick, Lost River, Luke Cage, Only God Forgives, and Riverdale. And perhaps the most interesting is that uh, the two Kenneth Anger movies that Adam brought up, Scorpio Rising and Fireworks, are available as part of a collection called The Complete Magic Lantern Cycle. So I've included the Amazon link to that if you feel like picking up that box set and experiencing those movies for yourself. If you'd like to keep in touch with the Netflix podcast, we are all over social media. You can find us on Facebook and SoundCloud at facebook.com and soundcloud.com slash netflix podcast respectively uh, we're on twitter at netflix pod you can find me on twitter as well as letterboxd at dylan clark moore that's d-y-l-a-n-c-l-a-r-k-m-o-o-r-e 
As well, if you want to support the show, you can do so in any number of ways. You can head over to iTunes or Google Play or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And you can subscribe to make sure that each new episode comes to you directly. You can also drop a rating and a review. And that's just going to help get more eyes and ears on what we're doing here. If you want to contribute a little bit more directly, we also have a Patreon campaign, which we'll link to at the bottom of this episode's show notes. Patreon is a monthly subscription service that allows you to regularly contribute to the show. Uh, At this point, we have two stages of support. The first one is for $1 backers, which means that you will get access to show notes uh, before the episode is released. So as soon as we've finished recording, I'll be putting those out so you can get a bit of a preview of what sorts of things we're going to be discussing. And if you want to go whole hog, there's also a $50 backer option, which means that you get to choose what movie you want covered uh, for an upcoming episode of the Netflix podcast. Uh, I realize there's a bunch of room in the middle. We're still figuring out exactly what the right rewards are to fill that time. So if you have any ideas, feel free to reach out to me on any of those social media platforms or at netflixpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Netflix podcast for your support and just for being you. And I will see you back here next time to discuss a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, baby, you ain't streamed nothing yet.